It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life. Wow, what a what a start that was. Some phlegm involved. It's a little under the weather, my friends, this week, so uh, please bear with me. But this happens when you have little uh, little angels running around your house. I think they go around licking things and they come lick me and well, at least, you know, we kiss each other. I'm big into the, the mouth-to-mouth, by the way. I, I don't think that's weird as far as, you know, my sons are concerned. Spread the love. I mean, it gets a little weird when they come home and there's all these things on their face, you know, like dirt. I see a dirt, but whatever. I'll bathe in that. Where am I going with all this? I'm not quite sure, but I'm just letting you know that uh, I'm a little under the weather this week. So please bear with me. But we're not uh, we're not taking a week off as far as guests are concerned or, you know, we're trying to always bring you the best show possible. This is another fun one. And we are coming at you, of course, from our New York City studio. Hello again, everyone. I am Ariel Hawani, joined in the back by the same crew as per usual. A uh, eventful weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. Two UFC events on Saturday. Of course, it was also Titan FC on Friday, RFA. But the big news, Michael Bisping defeating Kung Lee in Macau. And then what a shocker, Rafael Dos Anjos knocking out. Benson Henderson. Was it a little early? Was it not? I'm sure we'll weigh in a little later, but uh, a lot of happenings in the world of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And then it all leads up to uh, Saturday because UFC 177 is a mere five days away, Sacramento, California. I shall be there. And uh, I'm looking forward to it to a degree. We'll talk about that card a little later on. But who is joining us on this show? Well, first, uh, first things first, at 345, we're going to be taking your questions and comments. So hit us up as always using the hashtag DMMA hour or leave us a question or comment in the comment section below at 325. We're going to go inside the vault. You guys like it? We'll keep doing it. A fun one this week, a classic one from a few years back. Looking forward to sharing that one with you. 305, we're going to be joined by Benson, Benson, Ben Saunders, who picked up the first Omoplata victory in UFC history Saturday night. In his return to the UFC, Ben Saunders coming back in a big way. Looking forward to talking to him at 305. 245, we're going to be joined by Rory McDonald. Of course, he faces Tarek Safadine at uh, UFC Fight Night. I think that's 52, 53. It's hard to keep count of all these fight nights. But uh, it's October 4th in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, tickets on sale. And I'm told, by the way, tickets blazing. There's like 100 left. Halifax coming up in a big way as well. Uh, I think it's like a 10,000-seat arena, the Scotiabank Center, and uh, they have sold very well. Perhaps a sign of the UFC coming to a market for the first time, perhaps a sign of Roy McDonald being a big star. Could you imagine if TJ Grant was also on the card? So that's good news. At 225, we're going to be joined by the Invicta FC Adam Wade champion, Michelle the Karate Hottie Watterson. She returns on September 6th. At 205, we're going to be joined by Joe Diesel Riggs, he was supposed to fight in a couple of weekends in Brazil, but that's not happening. Uh, you probably know why. Shot himself accidentally. Bizarre story. We'll talk to him. 145, we'll talk to the Bellator interim lightweight champion, at least for now. That is Will Brooks. And at 125, we're going to talk to Bobby King Green. What's going on with him? He was supposed to fight at UFC 178. Now, not fighting at UFC 178. But first, let us go to the Skype machine and welcome in our first guest of the day. This man is joining us from Thailand. 
He is the one and only Luke Rockhold making uh, some time for us at approximately 12.04 a.m. Tuesday morning in Thailand. Luke, how are you? I'm doing good, you know, just kicking it, having some pizza <laughs> with the boys. Just watch, just watch some Thai fights. Say, say hello to the crew. We got, we got Arnold. We got Mike Swig. Wow. We got all the boys. This is amazing. Technology, what a beautiful thing, huh? Beautiful, isn't it? Now, is this like a drunk pizza outing? Is this at the end of the night over there? What are we dealing with here? Outing? This is an American. They don't even get started till like 2 o'clock. <laughs> oh, okay. Thing. Not really my style, but, uh, you know, no, we just saw some, watched some Thai fights. We had a couple guys fighting from, uh, from AK Thailand and uh, came out and supported. Now we're having some pizza and, you know, we're going to go tuck ourselves into bed. And uh, I, I saw on Twitter you were hanging out with lions or snakes, tigers. What, what are you doing over there in Thailand? Yeah, it was quite the, quite the day. Swick, Swick took me on quite the tour today. What do you mean? <laughs> Cobras, Whoa. tigers, well, a lot of things. And it really hasn't ended yet. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. I'll, uh, once I gather all the information, I'll put some pics up and some videos and some fun, some fun stuff. This is gonna be. It's almost too much to put up. It might take like a week or two to put everything. Wow! Up. All in one day. Did you drink uh, cobra blood? I stayed away from the cobra blood. Oh. But we did enough things with the cobra. Now we know you did enough, enough things with the cobra. Enough, life, enough life, life-threatening situations. Oh my gosh! Don't tell the UFC. I, I Tigers know. Too. I, I know Mike is over there. He opened up the AKA Thailand gym. How is it? I saw some pictures. It looks great. It looks like the real deal back in San Jose. Man, I tell you the truth. I went by the gym today and I was in awe. It's the best gym I've ever seen in my life. Wow. I've never seen a better setup of any gym in my life. Like MMA, it, it's just from top to bottom. And then the plans they have going to the future, like with the, they have a a restaurant, a sports bar coming in, and all these different amenities. It's, I mean, if you're coming to Thailand, there's no better place to be. Is to be at AKA Thailand. This is where you should come. I mean, they got the best trainers, the best facility, and everything is just getting better and better. So I mean, it's uh, I really I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw this place. And, and training today was awesome. Wow, that's a great endorsement. Okay, I know we're short on time, so let's talk about Saturday night in Macau. Michael Bisping. Uh, picked up a big win. Some would say it was vintage Bisping. He beat up Kung Lee, a uh, fourth-round TKO stoppage, and then had a lot of things to say about you afterwards. And the last week leading up to the fight, you guys were going back, of course. You were uh, in, in, in Macau, of course, uh, but it seemed like you were destined to fight Lyoto Machida next. Do you want Bisping instead of Machida, given all the things that have happened between you two and then him winning, of course, now getting back on the winning track? I'd love to shut Bisping up, and I think we've been going back and forth for so long. This is the one opportunity I have to do that. You know, I probably won't ever have the opportunity again, so uh, let's do it. Bisping, Bisping had a win finally, so uh, I think there's no better time than to step in and let me finish him. And uh, like I said, I made a bet, and I'm not, I'm not joking whatsoever. I'll finish Bisping in one round. And uh, I told him that he wouldn't take my bet. The bet was, if I finish him in one round, we switch purses. And if I don't finish him in one round, one round, give me, find me. He gets my purse. Show and win, 
everything. All he's got to do is run around for one round. Wow. Confronted the man, and he wouldn't take it. He was starting to backtrack and make excuses right off the bat. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a uh, man. The man said he got the better of me and beat me up and won our sparring session. If he's that confident that he did that, why wouldn't he take a bet, you know, of that? An extra 100000 on his paycheck? Couldn't hurt, right? All he's got to do is survive one round. Where did you confront him to, to offer him this deal? Ironically, I came down to get coffee the next morning, and he happened to be right there <laughs> in, in my track. And, uh, and his dad and his, his little uh, little friend that he had with him were giving me crap all week, all week, and kind of like just saying, Bisbing's going to kick your butt after he, he beats Kung Lee and this and that. And they're constantly in, like, in my face and in my ear. And uh, so he kind of gave me some weird looks, and I couldn't help but, you know, acknowledge Bisbing and and ask him for a gentleman's bet. And, uh, and then he started accusing me of, of not being close. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I really have no respect for Bisbing and what, what he does. And, you know, obviously his, his – uh, People didn't really gain much respect from me either. So, you know, I, I just I had to jump on the situation. It was what it was. But the fact is, he he wouldn't take my bet. And uh, you know, I don't know. He like I said, he's confident. He got the better of me in training. I'm confident I'll finish him in one round. Obviously, I'm a man of my word, and I'm a I'm gonna put it on the line. And he's not he's not a gentleman. He's not a man of his word. And uh, is what it is. We'll put it on. Let's see, Bisming. Let's 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 make the fight. And like I said, I'm still confident in that one round. And uh, if he wants to put, you know, his money where his mouth is, let's do it. He said that you were classless, that you made a scene. I mean, was there shouting involved? Did you guys get into an altercation? Uh, you know, I, I kept it pretty mellow at first. And I just like, look, I came up. I was like, let's make a gentleman's bet. You know, one round. I'll tell you what, one round. That's all I said. Straight up. And he's like. Then he started barking and going crazy, telling me how he makes all this much money. And the problem is, is that I make this and you make that. And, uh, you know, and then he started just making excuses, really, is what it was. And, and I, I just said, look, I, I don't know. It, basically, he's, he's just talking out his ass. <laughs> his, his, like, like I said, you know, if, if his dad and his friend, like, are earning my respect, but they completely – we're just as classless as Bisming is. And we're coming after me the whole time. So, you know, I mean, I'm just, you know, I can't avoid a situation when it's in front of me. And obviously. What were they saying to you I, I, all week? I, I didn't I didn't go out of my way. I kept, I, I kept it pretty plain and simple, and he blew it over the top. And, and obviously I'm not going to back down to nothing that he that man does. What were his dad and his friends saying to you all week? Just like I said, how, how he's going to kick – after he was done kicking uh, Kung Lee's butt, and he was gonna come for me and put me to sleep and you know <laughs> beat me up and do that and just just and then you know like, even even after the fight, his little buddy and his dad are like jumping on my back, like slapping me on the back and like pointing at me like right after the fight's ending and <laughs> just just laughable laughable stuff. So you know uh, what can I say? What did you think and of his I, performance? Were you impressed by it? What, why is pitter-patter? Uh, no, nah, I'm not impressed by Bisping whatsoever. Nothing he does. He's the most unflexible MMA fighter I've ever seen in my life. 
<laughs> you see some of those kicks he threw? I did. Yeah, I just, I mean, he's got, he's got a couple of things. I just, you know, he got the better of Conley. He got he messed up his, got his eye. I think that eye was the downspell of uh, Conley in this fight. You know, he showed a lot of heart, kept in there. This being's tough, you know, he's, he's decent. In fact, they finish him. You still there? Okay. Just a couple minutes left yeah, with Luke. Fair. By the way, how was uh, China? I, I saw that you were winning a lot of money over there. What, what were you doing other than uh, talking smack with Mr. Bisping and his little buddy? Uh-oh. I think we may have lost was the best fighter of the week. And then, you oh. know, I like to gamble a little bit have a little fun. How much are you up? Obviously, obviously, I like to gamble. I like to make wagers. It's it's fun. It makes it exciting for me. Sure. How much are you up? What was that? How much are you up? I'm in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, have you talked to the UFC afterwards about making this fight? Do you think that they will make it? Because Dana was a little. Uh, he said he was interested, but he did not say 100% that he is going to make this fight. I, I talked to a few people and they seem interested and, uh, you know, I, th I think there's a good possibility it could happen. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm, obviously I'm on the road right now and I haven't been able to sit down and talk with the guys, but, uh, you know, I plan on getting back into the States and, and uh, locking it down and figuring out what's next and, and who's next. Uh, you know, I, I've had a couple injuries, a couple things I'm working through, but I'm training every day. I had a hard training session today and I'm going to do it tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hungry right now and uh, I want, I want to fight. And so uh, we'll be figuring out something, something soon. You know, I just need a nice full training camp and come back, you know, at the next fight strong and put on a performance. Is your toe 100% healthy? Yeah, my toe is 100% healthy. Now, I mean, I had a... Well, we lost you again. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want from me? Ariel? Oh no, I lost you. I didn't hear what you were saying, so I was trying to make. Uh, I was trying to will the the answer out of you. What did you say about your toe? Yeah, my toe. Man. I, I. You want you want the truth? I want Here, the truth. Here's the truth, man. I, the truth is, I, I tore my meniscus about four weeks before the the Bosch fight. Oh. And uh, I had to take a week off, and then I ended up, you know, just fighting anyway. And I had surgery about three weeks ago. Oh. The, just to repair my meniscus a little bit, just trimmed it, um, and uh, I'm just, you know, it's 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 moving. I'm sparring and everything. It's just a couple of things that just waiting for a little bit of swelling to get out, and uh, and I'll be good to go. Oh, I had no idea. So, how long are you out for? Like, when could you return? Ideal scenario. I just, I, you know, I, I'm uh, maybe a week to three, you know, two to three weeks away from being 100% with a knee. Okay. I'm pretty much doing everything right now. I just some of the loaded positions with my knee and the takedowns and stuff like that. It's just a little, you know, it's not quite at full strength. So, you know, I'm doing everything I can to get it back. Okay. But, uh, I think, I think December return would be ideal. Two last things. Uh, you say you'll finish him in the first round. How do you foresee finishing Michael Bisping if you fight him later this year or early next year? Walking through his pitter patter and, and just putting it on him, doing what I do. I mean, that's, uh, I just don't have respect for Bisbing. 
and uh, his fighting style, and I, I, I'll take anything he's going to bring with, you know, I, I, I just, you know, after everything that's happened with him, I trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go in there and look for the kill, and I, I believe I can finish him in one round. Have you ever? I, I truly do. Have you ever felt like this about an opponent? An opponent. I mean, there's a lot of guys I feel like I can finish in one round. But no, but that you. you know, I'm willing to. It seems like you, know, you hate him. I'm willing to raise the stakes this just because I don't like him that much. You know? Right. All right. Well, I wouldn't really do this with anybody else. I wouldn't do this with anybody else. To tell you the truth, but with Bisming, I I really have no respect for him. And uh, you know, given what has gone down in the past, I'd, I'd like to raise the stakes and put a little more pressure and put a little more, you know, a little more something on for me. It'll fire me up. Really get me going for this training camp. All right. I like it. Uh, Luke, really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you so much. Thank you to Mike Swick for hooking us up with your phone. Please say hello to everyone there. And uh, another plug for AKA Thailand. If, if anyone wants to learn more about AKA Thailand, where do they go? Is there a website or something? Yeah, AKA Thailand. There's a website, akthailand.com. Yeah, and, and social media is AKA Thailand as well. AKA Thailand.com. Social media, AKA Thailand. Check it out. It's the best place. You got right. to come. It's uh, Thailand is amazing. And it's, it's AK is the place to be. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And uh, lay off the cobra blood. It looks a little too nasty. You, 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 you're, you're, too, you're too good looking <laughs> for something like that. Wait, wait till you see. Wait till you see what happened. I'll, I'll put some stuff up tomorrow. It's All right. Good. Thank it's you, good. Luke. Good Appreciate day, so it. Yeah. See ya. All right. There he is. Luke Rockhold stopping by, trying to uh, raise the stakes <coughs> for a potential fight against Michael Bisping, saying that if he beats Michael Bisping... In a round or less, he gets, obviously, his purse and Bisping's purse. If he beats Michael Bisping in two rounds, three rounds, and if it's a main event, four or five, still wins. He's going to give him his purse, and, well, I guess that makes up for Bisping losing the fight because he would get his show money but not his win money. I have a feeling the UFC will not take this bet. But it is interesting. Shows how much he dislikes him. Now, last week on UFC Tonight, Daniel Cormier was trying to play reporter. And he reported that Machida versus Rockhold is in the works. Now, I know that it has been discussed. Also discussed, by the way. And that's why I threw it out on Saturday. I didn't pull this one out of my butt. Dalloway versus Machida. And I actually think a lot of people didn't like that idea, but I actually think it makes a lot of sense. What I do know for sure is that the UFC should not book Rockhold versus Machida. No way. Not with Bisping winning. Not with Bisping looking so good on Saturday. Sometimes you have to go for the grudge match. And those fights are so few and far between these days, in, you know, involving some of the very best in the UFC. And Bisping, when he's on a roll... The world of MMA, the UFC, is a lot more interesting when Michael Bisping is on a roll. The guy is a lightning rod. He is so polarizing. He really knows how to sell a fight. And he did that with Kung Lee. And, and let's be honest, a lot of people are writing him off. A lot of people did not think that he had anything left in him, especially after that performance against Tim Kennedy. And he came out on fire. I do not think that he was dirty in the fight. I didn't think he poked... Kung Lee in the eye. He, he punched him in the eye, and, you know, those things happen, but it was all within the rules of the game, and he looked fantastic with a finish of Kung Lee. Kung Lee looking to be in the best shape of his entire life 
holy moly, Kung Lee's uh, physique was just outstanding. And Bisping with his back against the wall in a must-win situation to remain relevant. I didn't think he was going to get cut from the UFC, but just to remain relevant at 185, uh, put on a throwback performance. Vintage Michael Bisping. Looked very good, and it was a great matchup for him. No takedowns. He was on his feet the entire time and was really able to establish his dominance on the feet. It was it was just a tremendous performance. So now that he he won and he's what, two and one in his last three, as is Luke Rockhold, you gotta make that fight. And in my opinion, you make Machida versus C B Dalloway. Machida coming off a loss. Machida versus Rockhold is just another fight. It's a great fight. It's an important fight for Rockhold in particular. If he wins that fight, you could say he's the number one contender at 185, but Machida versus Rockhold is just another fight. Bisping versus Rockhold is a money-making fight. Bisping versus Rockhold is a grudge match. Bisping versus Rockhold has a lot of emotion, a lot of trash talk, and it will only get worse. And maybe for us, it will only get better, if you know what I'm saying. So that's the fight I would make 100%. Interesting that he said he injured his knee. I did not know that. Uh, so it doesn't sound all that serious, but December, January, if he could get on that card, the December 6th card with Vitor and Weidman, because what we have learned in today's UFC is that timing is everything. You look at a guy like Rafael Dos Anjos, he just beat Benson Henderson, which is a, a monumental achievement. Benson Henderson in the last 23 to 25, something like that fights, has only lost to one man, Anthony Pettis. Now, I know he's had some close fights here and there. But to beat him and to finish him and to do so in the first round is gigantic. But here's the problem. Pettis, Melendez, they're fighting in December. At least we think they are. They have yet to officially announce this. Dos Anjos, is he going to wait that long? Because think about it. The winner is probably going to need a few months to get back, you know, get back to 100% probably going to be a tough fight, I would assume, and then go through a training camp. And you, you'd think if Pettis is healthy and wins that fight, he'd want to get back in there relatively quickly because it's going to be a year and a half since he last fought. This Saturday or this weekend, the Labor Day weekend, will be a year since his last fight. He has yet to defend the title. So is Dos Anjos going to wait that long? I think if Eddie Alvarez beats Donald Cerrone, you make Dos Anjos versus Alvarez, number one contender fight. But then you have Khabib Nurmagomedov, who's coming back probably in January, who already beat Dos Anjos. So the point I'm trying to make is, it's very much all about timing in the UFC. You could be on a great run. I mean, look at all the guys that we've seen. I mean, we see this all the time. Guys are on a great run, but for whatever reason, the timing doesn't match up. So that's why if you put Rockhold and Bisping on the undercard or around the same time as Wyman versus Belfort, then all of a sudden... They might be in a better spot than Jacare and Musasi, who are fighting in less than two weeks over in Connecticut. Because Jacare and Musasi, by the time Wyman Belfort fight, that, that's going to be an afterthought. They're probably going to have to fight again to remain relevant. Maybe. You know what I mean? So Rockhold's injury might actually put him in the best spot possible because. Maybe he would have had to fight earlier if he didn't get injured, injure his knee, injure his toe, of course, against Tim Boach. Now, his timing might work out to be around the same time as the title fight, and that's what it's all about these days. Look at every division. It's always about that. Timing is everything. Look at a guy like Cub Swanson. Timing didn't work out. He's probably going to have to fight again against a guy like Frankie Edgar. 
Tyrone Woodley picking up a big win as well, getting back on track, defeating Dong Young Kim in a very impressive fashion. It seems to be all or nothing with Woodley these days. Either he comes out and obliterates his opponent or puts up somewhat of a lackluster performance. But this was a good one, and in my opinion, Woodley versus Matt Brown makes the most sense. And I know Matt Brown is coming off a loss, but Woodley was coming off a loss, and he was fighting Dung Young Kim, and I know he was a late replacement, but these days, the UFC doesn't stick to that rule all the time. I mean, look at Bisping. Bisping was coming off a loss. Kung Lee was coming off a win. It doesn't always work out that way. And plus, you have to look at a, a stretch of fights because Matt Brown had won, what, seven in a row going into the Lawler fight? Lost that fight, a very close fight. Uh, went the distance, and Woodley's coming off a win, but prior to that, he had lost. Not that long ago, he had lost to Jake Shields. You know, had, a, had, had a, a couple of nice performances in between that. But to me, if you look at the rankings and you look at what makes sense, and also when you consider the fact that Woodley and Hector Lombard are teammates to a degree, they both train at ATT, although Woodley spends most of his time in Missouri at an affiliate gym, I don't think they're going to want to fight each other. I think that's the fight that makes the most sense. Of course, there's also Jordan Meehan out there who has... Uh, gone back on track since that loss to Matt Brown, picking up a big win on Saturday, defeating Mike Pyle, and doing so in the midst of some controversy with his father, Lemian, on Friday, getting arrested and uh, charged with sexual battery for an incident that allegedly took place at the hotel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And a lot of people, including myself, wondering. And for those saying that, oh, this is crazy that you know we reported this, or MMA media, this has nothing to do with the fight. It has everything to do with the fight. Are you kidding me? Lemian is not just... Jordan Meehan's father, Lee Meehan, is his coach, his mentor, his trainer. I mean, they are inseparable. And for this to happen a day before the fight, you had to wonder what was going to happen to Jordan Meehan. Would he be focused? Would he be, you know, 100% there? That's a pretty traumatic thing to happen 24 hours before your fight. And he proved that he was focused, defeating Mike Pyle in very impressive fashion and very much a player, in my opinion, at 170. Super young. So many fights under his belt. Watch out for Jordan Meehan. All right. Another guy you have to watch out for is a guy who was victorious last month in San Jose, California. Huge win. Arguably the biggest win of his career. And one that, you know, he had to do also in the midst of a lot of things happening outside of the cage. Of course, I'm talking about Bobby King Green. Bobby Green joins us right now on the MMA Hour. Bobby, how are you? What's up, Ariel? How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, so I got to ask you, you know, I was thinking about you when, when all this happened with Eddie Alvarez last week. You know, they put him on this card. They put him on UFC 178. They match him up against Donald Cerrone. You were supposed to fight Donald Cerrone. They bump you off the card after they had changed things up to put you in a fight against Donald Cerrone. Now you're left with no fight at UFC 178. Are you in favor of this? <laughs> I knew you were coming out right with that. I well, knew you well, were coming with that. Why you waste time, right? Arrow, you are. What's that? You know, right? let's not waste time. Let's just get right into it. You know, I guess so. Um, obviously, I'm not. Um, obviously, um, I have some bad blood with Cerrone that I want to get out and get finished, you know. Um, but I'm a company dude, bro. Like, whatever the heck the business wants to do, business wants to do. Because at the end of the day, I can't be stopped, bro. I'm doing me regardless. You know, so, like, I just got to understand that. Well, you have to understand that it's just a food chain. You know, I understand Eddie's a bigger name. I understand that Cerrone's a bigger fish, too, and they want those two guys that had this super fight. I understand, and I have to play my field 
know that I'm still a little fish, I'm still a little guy. I'm just gonna hold my my little block down, you know. So whoever comes on my block is getting it, you know. So that's all I can say is that it's just the way it is, you know. When you got big fish on the, on, on on play, it's gonna it's just the way it is. You're gonna have to sit back. It's part of the food chain. Are you a little too humble? I mean, you just defeated Josh Thompson in his hometown. You're undefeated in the UFC. You know, Josh Thompson, top-ranked former champion, was so close to defeating Benson Henderson. You're, you're not a small fish anymore, Bobby. Those days are, are long gone. So I appreciate you being a company man, but I think you need to have a, a higher self-worth, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Ariel, I don't give a fuck about none of that. <laughs> I don't care about none of that, bro. All I care about is being and doing me and doing me to the max. And I haven't been able to do me just yet because I've been, I felt like been getting thrown around. I was originally supposed to fight Ava Trujillo um, in L.A. Then that card got canceled. Then I got tossed to August 16th. Then I get thrown back to July 27th, so I'm having no time to fight the number three guy in the world. And then um, I'm getting offered to fight against Mazadov, and then I get chained to Cerrone, and then I get tossed off the card. <laughs> it's just like I'm like a, a rag doll, you know? But I understand it's the business, and I am not, I'm still a little guy. That's why this doesn't happen to Jones. This doesn't happen to Cerrone and all these other guys. Why? Because they're the big fish. I'm a little guy and it's a little bitty thing. I'm just getting, trying to get my money. Stay happy. Let y'all do y'all. Have the big show. I'm not here for all that. I'm here to get my money, do what I need to do for me. And that's it, bro. Like, I'm not even tripping. Y'all do y'all. I'm leaning over here. Leaning. Life is good. So originally on September 27th, they gave you Masvidal and then they moved you to Cerrone. What did you think of that switch? Like, I, I know that you and Masvidal, you were going back and forth. I was looking forward to it. And you have a history with Cerrone as well. Were you happy when you had, you know, that situation presented to you, Masvidal to Cerrone? Um, honestly, Masvidal has already lost. You know, Masvidal is on the losing end of it and it don't do nothing for me. You know, um, honestly, we just had some words in strike force, and I felt like, okay, that's what you want to do. Now we're running the back. What were you saying earlier? So the whole Mazadol thing. Um, I really don't give two shits about Mazadol. Mazadol needs to give him another win to get up in the column some more. You know, I really don't give. Like, if he want to get it, we can get it. But at the same time, I got offered a Cerrone fight, which is a bigger fight, a better fight. I'm going to go with that. Okay, and um, what's your issue with Cerrone? There seems to be a bit of an issue there. Yeah, man. Um, like, again, I'm still a little fish, but I was even a littler fish at the time when I first came in on my first fight, you know? And these guys, like Cerrone and stuff, they, they feel like they're untouchable. So um, we're at the Expo signing, and Cerrone is going out. He is just the most obnoxious asshole I've ever met. And I liked the guy. I was a fan of him at this time, you know? So I'm actually, like, excited to meet the guy. I'm cool with him. I shake his hand, you know? And he's just the rudest ass. Oh no, you don't. You don't want to strike with me. You don't have to be a wrestler. I'll make you a wrestler and, and all this stuff. I'm like, man, I'm cool with your boy. Your boy's my boy. You know, me and Valley Flag are cool, and me and Derek Brunson are cool, which are all both from his camp. Right. So I'm like, it's cool. You know, like it's all good, bro. Um, I'm just trying to play like the backfield because I'm the new guy. I'm the new guy on the show, and I don't want to make waves where it's. Um, it's not good for business to make all these ways and, and you're just coming in. You're not, you're still loafers. You can't be sitting here fighting the guys and making a bunch of noise and you're nobody. You know, they'll kick you right out of this really quick. You know, that Don Jones, Comier stuff happens. Oh, you're out of here. Just like that. If you're not 
a John Jones or a Comey here. <laughs> so um, he said some, some racist stuff, bro. He said what? some stuff like, yeah, he just said some random racist stuff like, uh, like what? we got to check him. we got to check him. You know how black people like to steal. I'm like, what the? What? And I'm getting hot, yeah, in front of thousands of people. All of these people are here coming to get signed, and they're going, oh, ooh, and ah, you know. Um, his boy, Valley Flags, like, and he had a little bit to drink, just just like let it go, just let it go. And I'm like, eh, I'm not tripping, and I'm laughing it off, like, ha, 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 it's cool. But inside, I'm like, my, my real, the real dude inside of me is like, man, we don't let that kind of shit go. You know what I mean? We, I want to get his ass. But at the same time, I'm like, play it cool, don't make waves. So anyway, um, there was like a Hello Kitty bank or some shit like that um, sitting on the floor. No one claimed who it was. We're like, who does this belong to? Who does this belong to? No one's like, I guess Donald had left at that time. He comes back. No one's claimed the bank. We put the bank away. Some some fan comes up, says she's a Hello Kitty fan. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, this bank, no one found it. I think you like this here. It's like a freaking 50-cent bank or something like that, you know? Well, Donald sees that stuff, runs up to the girl, snatches it out of her hand, like, oh, like just like being a notch. And I'm like, bro, you didn't have to do all that. Like, you could have easily just, oh, well, that's mine or... I, I was given that that's mine, you know, just this um, respectfully. So that was the second issue that I was like, man, this guy's a real asshole. <laughs> but then the third one was oh. the one that was over the top. What the happened? third one was the over the top issue, which was he was uh, groping every woman in his line, what? you know, to do his signing. Yeah, he's groping these women. And they got husbands, they got um, fiancés, they got boyfriends in front of these men groping him. And I'm like, dang, like, that's kind of, that's messed up, like, because this guy's a nerd, and this guy can't do anything to you, you know, that you're going to do this to him, you know? His girlfriend's cute. He picks, Donald Trump, he picks her up, grabs her ass, you know, oh, uh, starts grabbing on there and stuff. I'm Donald Cerrone. I'm like, bro, you can't be doing that. Like, you're going to piss somebody off, you know? The wrong person's going to get pissed. Oh, what are they going to do to me? Oh, no, no, what are they going to do to me? I'm like, what the, like, this guy's full of himself, you know? So, Ever since then, I'm like, okay, I, I see the real person of who you really are, and now I don't like you. And you're disrespecting me not knowing who I am or what I'm capable of just because you don't know anything about me. You just figure you, you're all this. You're Donald Cerrone. So now the, ter- the table is turned, and my time is coming, and guess who's popping up in my circle? Donald Cerrone. It's my time to get back even. God is good. I just let, the, I let those things just fall in my hands. I didn't even disrespect him. I didn't even jump up at it, Adam. After the whole thing, Valley Flash trying to calm me down, which is his boy, was like, man, I would, some of, some of the guys that were there was like, I would knock his ass out if I were you. And I felt like I should, but then what would that do for me? Just make my business harder to work with me and make it so harder for, um, for the UFC to make me um, marketable. Right. So I let it go. But I just knew, put it in my back pocket, I knew there's going to be a certain time or me and you going to cross paths. You don't know it, but it'll be a certain time where we're going to cross paths, and I'm going to get even. And this is me getting even. But now, <laughs> I lost that opportunity, so Man. I'm still going to wait, and I'm going to get it. So with all that in mind, you must have been kind of annoyed. I mean, let's be honest. If they took this away, you had the fight that you wanted. Yeah, Dana called me, and, I, and he could tell I was a little annoyed, but... Dana called you personally? You. Yeah, yeah, I told you, like, the whole thing is, like, I'm here to please my company, and I just do what... what God wants me to do it. If it wasn't planned, it wasn't planned. It wasn't meant to be. And that's what it is. You know, like, whatever the pathway, I'm not picking these opponents. They're coming in front of me, you know. So whoever is meant to be is whoever is meant to be. What did Dana say to you? 
He said, what are you doing? I said, getting ready for my fight. He said, well, I have something to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, well, how do you feel about fighting Masvidal again? And I said, that sounds great, but what happened to Cerrone? Did he get hurt or something? He's like, no, I'm pulling your fight. And I'm like, what? I have, to pull, I have to pull the fight, just like that. That's the thing about Dan Dan, straight up. Right. So he's straight like it is. I have to pull the fight. I'm like, what? Don't know if, but why? I have to pull the fight. That's it. So he gave me the opportunity of fighting in November and getting a better opponent. So I'm like, I'll wait till November and I'll get my shot then. Oh, so you had the option to take the Masvidal fight? Yes. Um, but they had already booked him for Krause. Right. So I'm just like, okay, this is a big mess. I'm just going to wait till November and get a better opponent. Take some time, regroup. Yeah, yeah. I still felt like I still am going to go see my brother's grave because I got offered a new fight and stuff. So now I'm going to go see that and do that now. You still have yet to visit it. And oh, yeah. I mean, I got offered a fight right away. I was still kind of like a little banged up from the Josh Thompson fight. We had a stupid kicking war. Right. And the guy wouldn't stand there and throw some hands. We had a kicking war. He was running. So I had to like bang those shins, and I was trying to get ready to get back in to get this next fight going because they're like, hey, we need you to fight again. So I'm going to go up there now. When you got the call that they wanted you to fight in September so soon, I was, I was surprised about that because it seemed like after the Thompson fight, considering everything that happened, then moving your fight, of course, the tragedy involving your brother, uh, I was surprised you took the fight. I thought you wanted to take some time off. Were you 100% down? I did. I did. Yeah. I did. Actually, Masvidal asked for Cerrone, and then somehow I get the call and they say, hey, we want you to fight Masvidal. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, that's what you guys want me to do. I just do whatever my company has. When they want me to go, I'll go. You know? Where's your brother buried? He's in Blythe. That's about four hours away. Oh, okay, okay. And I've just been dealing with so much other family stuff. My, I have my own family to worry about. I have a newborn who's four months years old, you know? I mean, I mean four months. Um, I have all these people that I, I miss. Like, I don't see anyone when I'm in camp. Imagine being in jail, and all you do is just train, easily train, and so you don't see anybody, we don't speak. I don't speak to anyone. I don't call anyone. I don't, miss, I don't get to see my own son, you know, who's five, six years old now. And I can't even, I don't get time to see that, any of that stuff, so I have to catch up. Uh-huh. This is me playing catch. I have to take him to Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> and all the different things that I wanted to do with him that I was missing him. So it's like it's a lot to do still. You know, I don't know if you saw this, but Mark Ramundi over at FoxSports.com wrote an, uh, an unbelievable profile on you before the Josh Thompson fight. Did you read this article? I hated it. You hated, hated it. it? Oh, why did you hate it? Because I felt like he took advantage of me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um... Mark hit me up and asked me to do an interview. Okay. And I'm like, cool. He wants to do a positive story on my life. Positive keywords. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, if you want to do a positive story on me, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me so you have an understanding of why I'm me and why I'm pushing this movement of positivity. There's some negative things that happened to me that made me say, oh, man, there's some really negative things in the world. Let's go for positivity, you know? So... I was explaining to him those things that had happened, if you read the story. And I didn't, I told Mark not to put the stuff down, but I didn't use the terminology uh, off the record, you know? Okay. So that got me already in trouble, is that I didn't use that terminology. But I'm like, common sense to tell you, if you're doing a positive interview, don't mention certain things detail for detail. Right. You'd say, I wouldn't say you 
were out there and you punched the guy with the right hand and then you kicked him while he was down, you know, I'd say it was a very vicious fight. Some, a lot of things happened. Someone got hurt. You could, you could reword it right without putting it and making other people get um, in trouble or, or making these different things happen. So I'll explain. Um, so Mark goes and puts in the part about me getting touched by a teacher. And it's like, you could have said he had a rough life and he had dealt with some things that were tragic. But instead, he goes puts detail for detail, and now I have an investigation going on with this damn teacher. Oh, I almost wasn't ready for this stuff, bro. I didn't choose. I I didn't even want the world to know about this. I wasn't ready for. It. I didn't even talk to my own family about these issues. My own family doesn't know, and now the whole world knows. And it was like it was just too much, and I was just. Um, it was a learning lesson for me to know that I can't trust everyone. I can't be real with everyone because I'm so like about being honest. What I say is the real truth. I didn't lie to you about shit. So that's my whole thing. And it just ended up turning so bad. He took everything I said and I made it look so bad. He made it seem like I was like, I was riding around a stolen car in Puerto story, or I was joyriding. And, and it just like, it wasn't even like that. But he, the way he turned it, um, he made my brother look like this gangster gangster. You know what I mean? That got shot. And, and I'm like, you have no idea. You just slandered my brother. My brother was 13 years old when he joined the gang. 13. You tell me what 13-year-old knows the right decision from right and wrong when it comes to hanging out with your buddies. He didn't have a mother and a father. He had a grandmother that died, but was his mother and father. He, was, he had no one, and I was gone. I got taken away to another home. So who is his, is his right and wrong person to tell him right, right from wrong? When they know that the house idea, no one loves them and cares about them. So, therefore, he went out into the streets and made a decision at 13 that he did not understand what he was making. And now he has to live this life. And even then, my brother still didn't live that life. He was a family man. He was not about that. He was about staying in the house and protecting his family. And they made him look like this negative thing. And I'm just like, I'm blown away that you take the story that you wanted to be positive and make it so negative. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. I I didn't want to get into you know um, a discussion about the article itself because I didn't know you felt that way. I I will say, and you know, you are obviously entitled to your life, uh, entitled to feel that way. Uh, I think Mark is a great writer. Maybe there was a misunderstanding, but it wasn't my point. I, it wasn't my intention to bring that up. So I'm very sorry to hear that. And I'm sure it's okay. Like again, I said, I'm just gonna call the truth like sure, it is. I'm sure. gonna tell it like it is. I'm gonna tell you the truth. The, the, the reason I, I, I just referenced it was because the only thing I wanted to ask you that was in that article was there was something that was, you know, was almost troubling to read that was put in there that there was a hit put out on you. And I just wanted to know if everything was okay, if you're in a good place, if maybe that storm has, has passed in your life. No, ain't nothing clear, bro. Everything's the same as it was before, bro. You know, nobody knows what it is to be Bobby Green. Right. I'm telling you, I don't just have this average uh, life of a fighter, you know, the... My life, as my coach has always told me, my life ain't, ain't about, like, my fight ain't about what's in the cage. That stuff in the cage ain't just cake. If you can see, I'm talking and having fun. What's the real fight is these streets, where my life that I live, to protect my family and my family's families, to, to, to protect these people from what's around us. That's how, the real fight. How, how are you able to focus on fighting? I mean, I know it's your job and how you provide for your family, but... That's the fight. That's the fight. That's the fight. That's almost that's the, 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 that's the, the struggle of trying to focus 
and deal with this stuff. I have to cut off my phone, literally, because why? I'll keep going off the hook with people calling me and telling me they got problems. Telling me they need me to do this. They need this. They need that. I need to do this. Have you ever thought about relocating, just starting fresh, starting new somewhere else? Um, there, there was, um, that's a plan now after my brothers died, but I just recently bought my home out here right before he died. Oh, okay. I bought my home because it was near him. So now I'm, I'm in the city of where he's killed. Do you feel safe? No. So why not just try not to sell, all. why not sell the house and start fresh somewhere else? Um, there is a, a certain program or something that, uh, I got with the home, with the home where you have to be in the home for at least three years for you to oh. clear a certain, um, like a program. I don't know exactly, um, what, um, I don't want to say, say exactly, okay. be wrong, you know, so, but it's something that you have to be in your home for three years before you can sell or get out of it. So looking back, I mean, are you almost shocked that you even beat Josh Thompson? I mean, I know that you, you. You just kind of went out there and blocked everything out for a second and, and fought the guy. But to do that with all this going on in your mind and, you know, outside the cage and to actually beat Josh Thompson, looking back, it was less than a month ago. Is it almost shocking to you? Because it was kind of shocking to me. Not that I didn't think you could beat the guy, but that you could do it in the midst of all this happening. You know what's more shocking than that? What? Is the way everybody has been about that after the fight. What do you mean? The way everybody, I feel like everybody has viewed the fight and has viewed me as a fighter now. They automatically think that I'm this mouth now. And I just chit-chat and I just talk shit the whole time and I just talk my way through fights. I've never talked that much ever in the fight, but I felt Josh was running and I was still trying to entertain the people and I was playing head games with Josh and messing his head up at the same time. So it was uh, a bit of, of, of both, you know, entertainment and it was part of my strategy. Um... So people are like, oh, he just talks and he just this. And Dana told me he saw Josh win the fight. Um, I talked to Joe and Joe's like, hey, more punching and less mouth. I'm like, man. And just for, I went back and watched the fight. And I'm like, Joe Rogan saying um, Josh is winning the fight. It's obvious. He's winning. He's more, he's being more aggressive. He's throwing more. And then they show the punch stash. And I'm up 30 punches. Up 30 punches. Or 30 strikes i'm up 30 in the second round already and then i go on an eight like punch before he even punches back i'm like what are what are, what are people reading you guys are so worried about what i'm saying but what am i doing you know what is he doing what is he doing to fight i swear i think the only thing he landed was a head kick which was toes i don't think anything else landed fleshly so you didn't feel like you got the credit for that win that you deserved? Exactly. I think people were just hating on me and don't understand the fact of what I was dealing with. Uh-huh. I come out on 12 days to fight this guy on 12 days, the number three guy in the world. You don't even know what I'm dealing with to be me, bro. I'm just fighting just to stay alive. You don't even know if you had it. One, if you had a half idea of what I go through to be me, then you'd, you'd get a little more respect, but... People just like they just automatically see my my image. They see my my outside figure. I'm just because I'm so I'm in this broth in a hard world. So I exude a bunch of confidence. I exude a bunch of, of of just all this energy, and people don't understand it. They go, he's cocky, he's arrogant, but it's not that. It's just that I've been through so much. So I just I carry all this with me, and you feel it. And, and some people don't know how to inter- interpret it. You know, they just go, he's cocky, he's arrogant. 
I feel like you're in a really good place. You know, I I think for you know I I wasn't privy to those conversations with Joe Silva and Dana White, etc. It seems to me like you're getting a little more respect. It seems like people are noticing you, especially since you had to climb the ranks for so long. But no one can change how you feel. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong that you have a great opportunity now with everything that you've been through up until this point and the, the platform that you are now building for yourself to, to really help kids who were like you growing up who were maybe lost or going down the wrong path. I mean, do you do, you do that kind of thing? Do you talk to young kids? Do you try to be a role model for them yeah, to, to yeah, not make Yeah, very this? true, very true. Um, I go to high schools all the time. I do charities, um, signings, different, different things to um, talk to the kids and give back to them and let them know that I know they feel like this is it, but there's always a possibility that Things can change, you know. I remember being in school and always thinking, like, being that nobody. And then someone older always told me, like, watch out for your nerds. Watch out for the kids that were nobody. When I get older, they're going to be someone. They're going to be your bosses. They're going to be your, you know, your 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 heads, your CEOs. And you're going to have a kiss ass to those people, you know, because the cool kids, they always had it already. Yeah. And now you're able to give back and, and be a role model for for those kids, which I think is great, and yeah, I think it's something that you awesome. should focus on. Uh, by the way, you said November. Is there anyone that you think makes sense for you in November? Um, makes sense? Yeah, that you'd like to fight to really get you into that prime spot at 155. Um, to be honest with you, bro, uh, 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 Cerrone, will he be healed in that time? That's why I asked, like, will I get Cerrone again in November? They were like, uh, I don't think so. You know, like, <laughs> he's that's just... That guy's just going to keep running. He's like, I ain't going to fight you. I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, anybody I want to fight, I don't know. I really don't have, a, like, a, a pick, bro. Because, like, if they make sense, it'd be all the guys that are below me that'll make sense. Right. But um, I'm like a guy that wants to fight the guys that make me, like, oh, let's go in there and get it, you know? I want to, oh, I want to sting you, you know? And that's Cerrone. And that's Norman Park. Those two guys are some of the guys that I really have, like, a... What's a wrong with Norman Park? Norman Parks, he, he's he's a douche, bro. That guy, um, he just basically said some words to me. Again, I'm a little fish just coming into the industry, and these guys are treating me with 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 disrespect, and I'm being nothing but respectful to them. You know, wow. It's just funny how people act. Um, basically, it was just I think it was more of a more of a misunderstanding with Norman Park. Okay. But Norman Parks, um, you say some things. There's certain things that you don't talk to like a man. You don't say to a man. You don't treat a man a certain way because then. I told him I can territory to fighting words, you know, like I never call a man the B word, you know what I mean? I'd oh. never talk about a man's wife. I would never um, talk about a man's mother. Those are kind of like the rules you, you, you already know as a man not to say about another man. Because if I do, it's automatically fight words. He did that so, about you? Um, he called me a cocksucker bitch something, you know? Jeez. Or, you know? It's not very nice. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, but he just... I'm like, what did it come for? What was it about? Like, where did that come from? Where do you feel the need to jump out that far? Basically, someone posted both in a tweet and said, good luck to you both. And I said, he's going to need it, talking about my opponent, Danny Castillo. Oh, yeah. He automatically assumed that I was speaking about him. Uh-huh. And so he just jumped down my throat. Are you boop, 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 And I'm like, wow, okay. Okay. When I catch you, it's on. You know? When I catch you, it's on. The same thing for Zoni. I'm going to catch y'all. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. Sooner or later, I'm going to catch y'all. Flipping. And it's going to crack. Well said. Well, Bobby, we got to go. This, uh, you know, great stuff as always. Always appreciate talking to you. You're just so honest. And uh, 
and 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 open with your thoughts. So definitely appreciate that over here. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. I hope you can you know be safe and find some peace and just be able to uh, you know keep going in your MMA career. Because yeah, I like I said, I'm leaning, bro. I'm chilling. Okay. After all this, with all this craziness going around me, I'm still chilling, bro. This is nothing, man. It's amazing. Only live, you only live once. My brother got killed, man. You only live once. You know, live life every day like it's your last, bro. Don't don't worry about nobody and what people think about you and what they're saying. Very well said as well. Thank you very much, Bobby. Looking forward to your return and uh, all the best to you and your family. All right, bro. Peace. All right, there he is. Bobby King Green with uh, a lot of honest thoughts on what's going on in and outside the cage. Appreciate his honesty very much. And, you know, again, as I said, I think I, I thought that was a great article that Mark wrote, and I think Mark's a really good journalist, so maybe there was a misunderstanding there. It didn't mean for that to be some kind of, you know, uh, you know, hit on, 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 on Mark's article because I thought it was one of the best I read all year, and I'm fortunate that Bobby feels that way, but hopefully they could patch things up because I actually thought it presented everything that he was doing in the most positive light possible and just showing what this guy has been through and overcome to get to that point, and he ended up winning that fight. So uh, that is that. As far as Bobby Green is concerned, let us move along. Let's stick to the 155-pound division because, you know, the, the, the Eddie Alvarez situation affected Bobby Green because it took him off UFC 178. It also affected, to a degree, Will Brooks. Will Brooks is the interim Bellator lightweight champion, and some people, including myself, thought that they should book Eddie Alvarez and Will Brooks if Eddie took that last fight to unify those belts. You recall not that long ago on this very show, Eddie and Will Brooks went back and forth in what turned out to be a classic confrontation on the MMA Hour. Well, now we have Will Brooks on the Skype machine. There he is with his impeccable Skype connection, and he's repping the Chicago Bears. Why? Why the Chicago Bears, Will? Yo, I'm a Chicago native, bro. I, I know, but I, I mean, there's such... They're a bunch of losers. They don't win, the Bears. You're well, where are you at? New York, aren't you? Is it New York or... Yeah. Ah, oh, man. How I'm about a, those Giants? I'm a Bills fan, so I can't say anything. The only team in the 21st century to not make the playoffs. How about that? <laughs> oh, man. So I know yeah, losers I, I, when I see them. There's no way you can go. You can't be a Giants fan. You can't be a Bills fan. It's all bad. It's all downhill. You know, I like your coach very much. You know who Mark Tressman is? He is... A former coach of the Montreal Alouettes of the CFL, also a Jew. Yeah, he's yeah, a great guy. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome, man. He's been doing a lot of a lot of special things with the Bears, man. I think they needed a a refreshment at the coaching position, and he's bringing everything we need. We just got to get our defense going, man. All right. Well, we have uh, uh, you know a lot of time to talk about the NFL. Let's talk about you here. Um, you're still the interim champion, right? They haven't have they have they given you the official title, or are you still the interim champ? Yo, man, I, I, honestly, I don't know what's going on with that, dude. I, um, Ariel, the, the, the way I see it is, man, I, I was born a champion, man. I, I carry myself like a champion. I talk like a champion. I walk like a champion. I try to pe treat people as if I'm a champion, show people respect, tr treat them with dignity, you know, and I just carry myself with a, with a champion character. So uh, I, I figure I'm a champion every day of my life, and uh, Bellator anointing me uh, the the official Bellator champion, and that's that's something else. But I'm a champion at the end of the day, man. I ain't worried about nothing. What was your reaction when you found out that they released him with one fight left, and then of course Eddie signed with the UFC, so you wouldn't get that shot against him to unify the belts, and of course you know the biggest fight of your career against a big name. What was your reaction when you found out? Uh, I I, did, I really didn't have a reaction, man. I just like I said, I, I just been kind of. 
sitting back and chilling and relaxing and not worrying about anything, you know. So when they announced that Eddie wasn't going to be around, then, you know, I I moved on. You know, I started focusing on other things. I had already started focusing on other things, just trying to live my life, man. And um, I I can't spend too much time worrying about what what Eddie's doing, what Bellator's going to do with Eddie or all these different things. So I kind of just blinked out. But when they made the announcement, announcement that he was moving on, and you know, it was it was a shoulder shrug for me. You know, it was like, oh well, you know, it is what it is. Um, Eddie has to do what he feels like is best for him and his family, and I'm pretty sure he's got another kid on the way or something like that. So uh, he's doing what he feels like is best for himself, his career, and his family. And uh, much respect to him. You know. Were you surprised they did that? Because they did have one fight left on the contract. Now, you can go either way and say, you know, you don't want to risk him walking away with the belt if he would beat you or Michael Chandler. But were you surprised that they did that and not try to make one more fight for him? No, man, just because I think there was a, there's a lot more going into the whole like, relationship between Eddie and Bellator. I know the relationship was still kind of sketchy, you know, and uh, I think the best thing for both sides was to just pretty much part ways and go – go in their uh, separate directions and I think they that's what they did and that's what makes sense for Bellator as an organization and makes sense for Eddie as a as a professional fighter and um, made the most sense for him as far as his career goes so just to kind of squash it and just leave it alone and just leave it where it was and just go to separate ways I just think it made the most sense for everybody. So what do you think? Speaking of making sense, do you think what makes most sense for you next is a rematch against Michael Chandler who was so close and also it's probably the biggest fight that they can make at 155. One of the biggest fights in Bellator right now, right? Yeah, definitely, man. Look, I had said it. I said it before. Like, I wouldn't mind fighting uh, Chandler again. I, that was, I would have fought him after I beat Alvarez. You know, that's how I felt like it should have went. I would fight Alvarez first and then go rematch Chandler. Um, but you know, with everything playing out the way that it did, now it looks like it's just me and Chandler, and I'm not worried about that at all, man. Uh, I, w- I would love to fight him again and just make sh- make it clear that I beat the guy and leave no excuses that he was hurt or he did this or he just wasn't himself and it was a close fight or or, or people saying that, oh, he should have won that fight off of one minute out of a five-minute round, you know, but it's whatever. Uh, I-, I look forward to fighting him again. It's a new era in Bellator. Of course, Scott Coker replaced Bjorn Rebney uh, two months ago as the president of Bellator. Have you had a chance to sit down with Scott sit down maybe with uh, Rich Chu and talk to those guys and, and, and find out what they think of you and their plans for you? No, I haven't. I, I haven't ha- I had an opportunity to do that. I'm sure I'll get an opportunity in the future. Again, like, like I said, like right now I'm just focusing on me and just taking care of my life and trying to get better as a person and just uh, just – just trying to enjoy this experience, man. And I'm sure I'll meet with those guys in the future. But for now, I'm just doing my part and trying to represent the, the organization and help them move into a different direction. Just, I guess, be the best uh, be the best lightweight Bellator champion I can be if, the, if I am the Bellator lightweight champion, you know. So just trying to do my part, man. Well, well you, you, you haven't talked to Scott once since he took over? No conversation, no phone call, nothing? Nah, man. I think uh, I think he's tried to he tried to reach out to me, but our schedules is um, schedules our schedules catch be... up. So really, a ten minute call? Yeah, man. I'm I'm big timing now, dude. Damn. I got a lot of stuff on my schedule, man. I can't make time for Scott Coker. Look, that's probably the wrong thing to say about your new nah, boss. I understand, man. No, nah, um, <laughs> nah, I just think uh, I think look, the guy's been busy, man. He's coming into Bellator. He's trying to get things on. Uh, or get his plan on the same page as everybody else with Spike TV and Viacom and everybody get on the same page. So 
I'm sure he's busy. There's a lot of other guys on our roster that he needs to stat, he needs to take care of. So uh, I'm sure at some point I'll have a I'll have a conversation with him. Based on what you know about him and you know the hints that he has put out about the new era, especially in 2015 with less fights but bigger fights, are you happy with the switch from Bjorn to Scott? Um, you know what, man? I'm I'm not gonna say I'm happy about the switch from switch between those two guys. You know, I'm just happy with where the organization is going. You know, um. Seems like there's a lot of exciting things for the fans and the fighters, you know, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Uh, no matter who it is behind the steering wheel, I just wanted the organization to go in a direction where it's going to put the fighters in a better position to promote themselves, to build a career, to make names for themselves, and it looks like we're going in that direction. So really, like, I don't, I, it don't matter to me as long as, they, as long as they're doing right by the fighters and by the fans. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy with everything, man. What about getting rid of the tournament? Do you like that? No, I, actually, I'm not. I'm not I, I don't know if I'm completely with it or completely against it. I just think there was a – me personally, I think there was a way to use a tournament as, a, I guess, a, a talent filter. Um, one of those things where you are able to bring in young faces, guys who need a, need a little bit of experience, a little bit of exposure, and put them into the tournament. Maybe eliminate the whole um, the whole oh, if you win the tournament, you automatically get a title fight. Maybe eliminate that and just use it as an opportunity for guys to get themselves out there, gain some experience, work their way up to the to work the work their way up the ladder and be able to fight guys like me or Michael Chandler or David Rickles or Sayada Wai, like the, the the tougher guys in the lightweight division, and um, uh, I think they could have used it as a as a tool like that. But you know, I, again, I don't control any of that. Scott Coker is a guy behind the steering wheel, and he's taking his bus wherever he wants it to go, and um, you know, uh, he he's doing what he thinks is best. So I, I support whatever they're doing. You know. You know, I, I couldn't help but notice on uh, Twitter you were tweeting. And by the way, I think you're a tremendous tweeter. Your, your tweets are very funny, especially when Coker took over. It was great. Um, you did some kind of commercial recently with Douglas Lima. It seems like you're getting the love. Are you feeling the love from Bellator? For for a moment, it seemed like maybe you felt like you were not getting the love, but I feel like you're getting the love now. Yeah, man. Uh, me and Douglas Lima, we went out and did a, a little a little bit for uh, the Dave & Buster's or whatever. We did a little commercial for Dave & Buster's, and that was really exciting to get that opportunity to do that. Yeah, man. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I am I, I, I guess I am getting a little bit of love. I think it's probably because uh, nobody feels like I'm taking shots at the, at the organization anymore. So they're like, now that he's calmed down, maybe we should calm down. And I think we're, everybody's on a better – everybody's got a better understanding of each other. So uh, – I think I'm getting a little bit more love, and and it, it goes both ways, man. I got to show love to get love, you know. You got to sure. show respect to get respect, and uh, I think I've calmed down, and I've taken I've taken steps to really analyze and recognize what's going on around me, rather than just reacting off my personal uh, emotions and things like that. Because I, like I said, I'm, I've said a hundred times, man. I wear my emotions on my sleeve and my opinions on my sleeve, and like that in a heartbeat, I'll go zero to 60 and put out everything that I think and everything I have to say. So I'm trying to get better with that. So, uh, and, uh, I don't know, man, it's just, it's been fun. They're, they're doing me, they're doing me a solid and I'm just trying to do them the same way. You know, I noticed, uh, Chandler, you know, he, he wished Eddie well, sent out a nice tweet. You didn't do the same. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't, I don't. I didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't post anything just because it was just like it was kind of like a well, you know, it, was, it is what it is. I think in a 
previous to this whole thing, I actually did tweet a little while back when uh, when there was speculation that they were actually going to make the Chandler Alvarez fight. I had said, look, uh, regardless of anything, I told Eddie, I, I wish him best of luck in all his future endeavors and things like that. So I just didn't feel like I needed to go reiterate that. Right. It was like, it is what it is. Like, his life is not my life. Like, you know, he does his thing, I do my thing, you know. It's not like... I mean, Eddie didn't tweet me and say, hey, good luck with the, the Chandler rematch, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't, it's, it's nothing behind that. It's just just people doing their thing. I mean, Chandler's a different dude than me. Like, Chandler is, Chandler's always going to be the guy trying to find a way to make people like him and say the right things. And I'm just not about that life. I'm just, I'm living my life. Eddie's living his life. And good luck to the dude, you know? I, I wish him no, nothing but the best, you know? You think Chandler's fake? Uh, I I I think so. Like not. I guess I wouldn't use the word fake, but he's very good at saying the right things to make people uh, like him. And I just I get you got to play the game, but at the same time, I think what people are looking for is somebody to be real with him. And I, whenever I hear that dude that dude talk, or whatever I see, hear him say anything, it's just like, bro, like knock it off, dude. Like, <laughs> like we we get it, dude. Like you're a nice guy. That's great, but like just be real with people be open about people with things like if you dislike something say you dislike something don't don't get online or tweet something about well this is the way it goes and we don't control who we fight and blah, blah, blah. like come on bro stop sounding like a robot like if you dislike something say you dislike it don't get out here and just stop like pretending like everything is all gravy if something rubs you the wrong way open your mouth if you dislike somebody open your mouth and say you dislike somebody don't be don't pretend like we're all going to like everybody and we're all going to have nothing but nice things to say to each other. It's just not real. It's not life. It's not real life. In a perfect world, when do you want to fight again? Um, as soon as possible, man. I want to, <laughs> I want to take every chance I get to punch Chandler in his face, you know, uh, like just because, uh, like, I, I had a lot of fun fighting that guy and I felt like the dude didn't pay me much, very much respect. You know, he kind of like, even after I won the fight, and I get it, like, you never want to lose a fight, but, like, you still show somebody respect, even if you're supposed to be this, like, overall good guy and this champion of blah, 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 whatever, like, you show me respect. Like, I showed him respect. I was, like, after the fight, I was, like, yo, you're Chandler still a champion, belt or no belt, and I said that on the microphone, and the dude just kind of jumped on Twitter and started coming after me, so if I can, if I could punch Chandler in his face tomorrow, I definitely do that, man. Like I want to take every opportunity I get to put my foot on that dude's neck. And, uh, if they can, if we could do it tomorrow, I'd do it. By the way, prediction, Cerrone Alvarez, who do you got? I, I think I, I'm, I'm going to go with Alvarez, man, just oh, because wow. he's a, he's a, he's a get in your face type of guy. He's not going to back down from Cerrone. He's going to stay there in the, in the pocket. And I think his boxing is very sharp and his head movement is sharp. And, uh, with Cerrone and his style, he's very—he's a little bit more patient, methodical. He takes his time. He stalks guys, and I think Eddie's just going to get in there and turn it into a dirty brawl. And uh, from some of the things that I've seen with Cerrone, he's a nasty fighter, but I also don't know if he's—if uh, he wants to get into brawls anymore. You know, he's trying to change his style. He's trying to be more patient and controlled. And but uh, I think Eddie's always going to be Eddie, and he's going to be wanting to come in and brawl and get in your face and use good boxing, good head movement. So uh, I, I'm going to put my money on uh, Eddie. And he's got better wrestling also. Hmm. 
Interesting. That would be an interesting fight coming up in uh, around a month. Uh, Will, great stuff as always. Love the honesty. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, you and your great Skype connection. I uh, wish you the best whenever you fight Michael Chandler. Also the best to the Chicago Bears in their upcoming NFL season. Appreciate the time and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Take care, man. All right, there he is. Will Brooks, the interim Bellator lightweight champion, in my opinion, soon to be the real Bellator lightweight champion. It makes sense. It almost gave him an out. They let Eddie go. They have a champion, so the belt isn't vacated, and he had a win over Michael Chandler. Make the rematch. Makes too much sense. So good luck to him. All right, let's move along now. Our next guest, longtime veteran of the sport, actually won the one and only season of Fightmaster. Culminated on that... uh, that Bellator show not that long ago, and uh, after that was actually released by Bellator and signed with the UFC. We thought he was going to make his debut in just a couple weeks, but unfortunately, it has been delayed. We'll get into that in just a moment. We talk about guys who who speak the truth and are incredibly honest. We go from Bobby Green, who fits that bill, to Will Brooks, who fits that bill. Joe Riggs definitely fits that bill. Great to have him on the show. Joe, how are you? Good. Yeah, how are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, a pleasure as always to talk to you, Joe. Let's talk about this. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, we got this news that was somewhat shocking that you had uh, accidentally shot yourself. Now, we've seen some video, uh, courtesy of yeah. TMZ, of you know, your, your wounds, which you know, are, 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 are kind of hard to stomach, but it's, it's glad to hear you are okay. Can you explain to us exactly what happened? How did this, this accident happen to you? Well, um, I always carry my pistol with me. You know, it's, um, I've, you know, I've been around guns my entire life, and... Um, you know, I think Efren, Efren, I let Efren Escudero use my, you know, let him see my gun when we were at practice. And he cocked it back and chambered one of the end of the uh, round. And he, he chambered around, you know, when we were at practice. So when I got home after practice, I was taking, I was, you know, unloading my gun, make sure the clip's out and uh, nothing's in the tube. And I couldn't get the live round out of the, out of the slide. So I started to take my gun apart. And as I was doing it, um, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, a slide pin that, that, that was bent, so that was that was it was making the uh, it was making it was it was impossible to get the round out. So then, as I was taking it apart, my finger inadvertently uh, you know hit the trigger as I was I was I was pulling on it, and then you know it went through my hand and it went through my leg. So I wasn't cleaning my gun like a lot of idiots say, and you know you know I wasn't cleaning my gun. I knew there was a, there was a round in there, but when you you know when you take your gun apart, you have to have your hand. There on top of the slide because when you're pulling it off of the pistol, you know, the strings go everywhere, so you have to grab it around and it just it so just the the bottom of the palm was was uh, was in line of the barrel. So, you know, when it went off it just hit me hit me there, you know. Now, I must admit, I know nothing about guns or, or taking them apart or anything like that. It's a world I know nothing about. But So explain to me this. Why would you have to take it apart, and why would you take it apart with a live round in it? Well, you have no, you have no choice to do it. I mean, the only way I could get, I could get the live round out is to take it apart. Oh. Because the, because the, there was a, the pin was bent. So when you, when you have a pistol and you cock it back, that usually ejects the live round out. So the pin would not, it wouldn't go, it wouldn't go back far enough to check the round. So, I, so in, every time, every night I come home, I always take my take my guns and you know, make sure they're unloaded. So cause they're, I don't want to have them you know, loaded down in the house around my kids. Right. So, you know, and that's the only way I could get the bullet out is taking it apart. So 
as I was doing that, you know, people who knew, do know about guns, um, they know what I'm talking about. You know, and actually there's a, you know, it's one of the most common injuries uh, when people are taking a gun apart, trying to get a stuck around out of a gun and shoot themselves in the head. How long have you been a gun owner for? Oh, since I was, since I was you know, a young kid. I mean, my dad gave me my first firearm when I was, uh, when I graduated eighth grade. Wow. Um, I mean, it's not something I walked around with. It was just, uh, you know, a you know, dead hunting gun. And then, yeah, I've been around guns my whole life. You know, my friend, my friend who's a firearms instructor, has the same exact injury. He's just, he was lucky enough to went through his hand and he didn't have a hollow tip and he just went has a, you know, hole in his hand. So it just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more common injury than you think. People just thought I was cleaning my gun and being an idiot. But, you know, it's not the case. I was, I was trying to get a live round out, so... And in all your years of owning a gun, has this ever happened? I mean, any kind of strange accident like this ever happened to you? No, no. I mean, this, this, has, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I mean, I wasn't paying, I mean, anytime you're around a gun, you, you should, you should have your, it should have your 100% concentration. You should, nothing should be taking attention away from what you're doing, especially if you're, if you're taking part on a loaded gun. And, um, I was in the middle of, of putting together my UFC contract because it was out of order, and I was putting it back together so I could put it in my file. And so I was doing that and doing something else at the same time. So, you know, you know, for a split second, you know, my finger hit the, was it was it should have been on the on the grip, and my finger as I was pulling it back because I was muscling it, and you know, and it hit the tra- hit the trigger, and you know, it just that's never happened before, and it was just. Uh, it was a freak accident, you know, that's happened to a lot of people. It just, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the experience or anything in the world because it's changed me. How so? You know, man, I mean, it's, I mean, I came, I mean, I thought for sure it hit my femoral artery because it was just spraying. I mean, I didn't think, I thought for sure I was going to die. Wow. Um, and I said goodbye to my son. You know, I said goodbye to my wife, so I thought I was dead. So, you know, when you, when you think you're going to die... It does something to you, you know, I and mean, it does, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird feeling, you know, that I've been looking up and reading other people went through, but I don't know, it, it, it's just deeply changed me to the core, you know, and uh, I really wouldn't change it, change the experience. If I, if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't shoot myself, but the experience was, it's, it's incredible. So when you were, you know, you were in your house, right? Yeah, I was in my living room. I was just sitting there watching watching The Bachelor and, uh, and eating, eating some uh, blueberries and putting my contract together. So you say goodbye to your family thinking that you're going to die. How long did it take for the, the ambulance to, to come get you? And when did you start to think, okay, I'm going to survive? Like, for how long were you actually thinking that you were going to die for? Um, I thought I, because I, I lost consciousness um, uh, before the air back me out of my, at a, from my house. So I was laying there and then my, my wife was, you know, putting her entire, you know, her, as much as putting her finger in my wound because she thought, you know, my femoral was hit and all that stuff. And so I just, I mean, I thought, yeah, you know, it, 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 when, you, when you don't feel pain anymore, that's not a good thing. Huh. And it started to not hurt, you know, and I started to, to want to, to want to let go and go to sleep. So, and I know those, those things are kind of, you know, going hand with dying. So I, you know, I told my wife to get my son out of the bedroom so I could say goodbye to him. Oh, it was something that, you know, it's been very traumatizing for my son. 
PSC's having a lot of a lot of problems with it, you know. But you know, I I, I said it to him because I thought I was going, and uh, you know, it was a, a sad situation for him. And uh, yeah, it's just crazy. You know? How old is he? He's seven years old. Oh my. So, so he he saw you there in the most uh, unimaginable pain possible, right? Everybody was asleep in the house. And oh. It was only uh, eight thirty, but everybody was asleep, and, uh, and nobody even heard it. I was running around my house. <laughs> you think if you shoot yourself, you do something. I mean, I, I think if uh, you know something like happened, I would be calm, cool, and collected. But I got up and I ran around the house like a chicken with my head cut off. You know, I laid on the, the couch in the other room. Like I, I didn't know my hand was shot at this point. I just thought I hit my leg. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, just shake it off, and then I'm laying there, and I see blood and hips spurting up, and then I'm like, okay, I should wake, wake Lisa up, and then I went to grab the door, and the door went through my hands, and I was like, oh, fuck. So then, you know, I, I uh, you know, woke her up, and I was like, Lisa called the ambulance, and I'm as a shot, and, you know, kind of went from there. How much blood did you lose? Uh, they had to give me a blood transfusion. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was cold. Like my heart rate went down to about ten beats per minute, and he was. This is when I went when I lost consciousness. Because when I lost consciousness and I came back to it, I feel it was a feeling of any worldly stress that you have gone. You know, like it was a crazy feeling. Like the feeling of dying was very easy. You know, the feeling of wanting to to live and you know fight through that pain was a hard one. And I, it would it would have been very easy to let go and die. You know, but, you know, I just, um, for a reason, I'm here, I'm, I'm alive, and I'm able to fight again, unbelievably. My hand looks, I can make a fist, I can, I, yesterday I actually did my first workout, a Jody workout with my legs, so, I mean, the doctors are very, they're astounded how fast and they built him. I'm assuming you had surgery, right? Yeah, three. Three surgeries? Yep. On your hand and your leg? No, the... The, uh, they, they did uh, ear and irrigation with my leg. Where they, they, the exit wound was was small in the beginning, and then uh, they cut it open and washed all the all the uh, bullet fragments out. And my hand, that those were the surgeries. You know, they had to put metal in it and do all the stuff. And you know, and and it's, 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 he's the same doctor. It's the same doctor that did my hand surgery a few years ago. And uh, he he and then when he first saw it that night, he said, you know, his career is over. And then. After the surgery, he said, I can't believe it. I'll be able to put it back together. We even have a fully functioning hand, and he'll be able to fight. So now there's no doubt you will fight again. I'll fight in December. I'll put my life on that. December, are you targeting the uh, the Fox show in Arizona? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all possible. Right. You know, I mean, me and Joe Sullivan hasn't talked about that, but That's you know, you. I'll, be re- I'll be ready. You know, I'll be ready to fight in December, whichever show it may be. Are you still going to own guns after this? Absolutely. It's not the gun's fault. It's my fault. Okay. You just have to be more careful. Yeah. yeah I mean, I just, uh, I mean, if, well, one thing it taught me is, you know, if you're handling a firearm, you know, you never, I mean, you get, you, you show up the respect of, of, you know, getting your full concentration and paying attention to nothing else but that, you know, because, I mean, it could have killed me. I mean, you're giving it was, I mean, people, People think, I mean, I mean, it was a really, really, it was, it was a scary, scary, scary thing for my family. And I came really close to death, you know, that, that forever changed me. And, um, you know, it was, I mean, it happened for a reason, you know. I, I have a feeling that I, that I was put on the surf to, uh, to inspire people by overcoming obstacles and, you know, and, and, you know, and 
you know, being a better man from it. You know, that's how a man is defined, is how he comes back from adversity. And uh, I'll come back better from this like I always do. Just curious, why do you feel the need to own a gun? Um, because this world is a shitty place, and people try to hurt your family, try to hurt you. Yeah. And that's, you know, I use, I, I don't walk around with it. Like a lot of, a lot of them dicks do with their, you know, gun hanging out. Like when people see somebody, guns make people feel uncomfortable. So, I mean, I, I always have my gun, but nobody will ever see it. And I'll never use it unless I was going to shoot somebody like myself. You know what I mean? I would never, you know, I, I use it strictly for protection and that's it. You know, I, I mean, I use them to hunt as well, but, you know, it's, uh, it's something that I've grown up with and that, you know, just because just because I had, I, I made a mistake of, you know, you know, not doing a certain thing, uh, taking my gun apart, doesn't mean, you know, firearms are bad. Obviously, there's never a good time for something like this to happen. That's that's for certain. But with you just getting back into the UFC, your fight getting, getting announced, I mean, it was just days before. What were you thinking? Yeah. Like, man, what, what timing? I finally get back to the UFC. I haven't fought in the UFC since 2006, and then this, of all things, happened? I mean, were you thinking that, the the, the unbelievable timing involved? No. Dude, if, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. I mean, it's, it's a guy a guy has... You know, I mean, I'm, I'm the guy, I, I used to be the guy who was like, oh, God, because I had never had surgery before the fight master, and then the, the surgery ended up being bad, and then, you know, then I got signed to UFC, and this happens. I mean, so, like, I'm, it's a, I always, always, I, I used to always be like, why, God, why me, why? And now, I mean, since this happened, I just, you know, I'm, I'm happy that it happened, you know, because... You know, I just, I really feel like, you know, because like, I'm, I'm, I'm filming from, from the day I got shot from the moment I stepped back in the cage and all the things I'm going through. Oh. And, I, and, I'm, and I've got all of it because I got a, there's a, you know, there's a film crew that I've been, that's been following me since day one. You know, and, uh, and I, I just think it's meant for a reason because, you know, if things like this don't happen for no reason. Where is this going to air? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, uh, the UFC will do it, but you know, I, I, ten, ten grand in my own pocket to get them started, and then you know, I, I got a, you know, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna raise some money to finish the rest. But I mean, it, it takes five people to fall. Hey, they're filming me right now, and you know, it's just, you know, my, my, my rehab is really, it's, it's grueling. It hurts very badly, and they were there getting my stitches out of my hand. They were there when I made my, because I can make a full fist now, and they, they've seen everything, you know. So it's, it's cool. I mean, there's. I'm a very private person when it comes to my family. But, you know, they, they, they're in my house or every, every aspect of my life they, they see. And by the way, I haven't talked to you since you re-signed with the UFC, but how did all that happen? Because you won Fightmaster, you're coming off a win. One would think that Bellator would want to have you around, and uh, I know you didn't particularly love that experience, but how did you get Bellator to release you, or why did they release you, and then how did you re-sign with the UFC? Um, well, I... Um, I kind of, you know, always, I've been friends with Joe Silva, for, Joe Silva for a lot of years, and he, he knew that, uh, you know, that I've been, I haven't lost in a long time, and, you know, but I've been with Bellator, and he knew Bellator's contracts were notorious for holding guys for a long time. But, as you know, they went through a change recently, and um, a couple, some fighters, uh, their, their contracts were kind of null and void with the new thing they were doing. Oh, really? So, yeah, I mean, I can't, I mean, I signed a contract with Bellator that I can't really 
disclose, you know, why. Okay. But, you know, I'm very grateful to them for giving me the opportunity to fight and fight master and, you know, give me the platform to revamp my career. But at the end of the day, I thought it was in my best interest to move on. So you were happy that they, you, you didn't want to stick around, right? Uh, I'm, um, nah. No. I'll pass. I can't answer that. Okay, fair enough. Um, upon returning to the UFC, if it is in, in Phoenix, uh, on, I, I believe it's December 13th off the top of my head. It's sometime in December. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is there anyone that, uh, Tiago was a fun fight, but anyone that really excites you about a, a big return to the UFC, a big return fight, any name that comes, you know, to the, to your, to your mind? Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't, there's, there's, there's a lot of, man, there's, there's a ton of, obviously, you know, um, uh, I like to play Jordan Mean again. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because when I, when I fought him, I wasn't training, I wasn't doing any of that stuff. You know, Jordan's on the tear. I'd have to do, I'd have to, you know, put together a few wins to get in his bracket. But, you know, he's a guy that, that uh, you know, when I fought him, I had no idea who he was. I was a fat, out of shape turd. But <laughs> no, no business being in the ring at that time. So I like to fight him, you know, fight people that, that you know, when I was, Having mental issues and doing the, doing things in early in my career, I like to fight people like that. You know, get wins back that I've given away. Well, it's great that you are going to come back to the UFC. It's great that you're going to fight again, and it's amazing that to think that you're just you know 31. You're about to turn 32 because um, you've been around for so long. Did you always know in the back of your mind? Did you always know you'd come back to the UFC? Did you know that this would all work out in some way and you'd be back in the big leagues? Did you always um, believe that? Well, I mean, I knew. Uh, I knew when I, like I made, I made a choice when I went to the lab that I was going to, it was right before the fight match, I was going to retire, or, or I was going to win, I knew I was going to win that. And then I knew I was going to fight at the level that I've been able to fight at. I knew everything was, you know, my stars were in line for everything to come together. But when I signed with Bellator, I knew that the contracts were very, you know, they were very hard to get out of. And then, you know, what happened, what then happened, and you know it, it kind of you know it led me to it, kind of led me to what happened because if I would have been with, if I wasn't signed with the UFC I never would have got shot, you know I wouldn't have been wow. yeah. I wouldn't have been doing that stuff. So everything happens for a reason, man. And I think and I want to come back from this. I mean, when you almost die, because like, another thing I think about is a lot of times I wouldn't let my hands go because I'm afraid of if I throw this I might get caught. A lot of veterans they overthink stuff. And um, that was going away more than, than, than my last few years of my fighting. I started getting better and better with that. And now, coming close to death like that, what else is there to be afraid of? You know? Right. I mean, so, I mean, I let it go with nothing. I mean, there's nothing to be afraid of. So, I think this will make me even better a fighter than I used to be. Two last quick things. Uh, obviously, a, a very famous story involving, you know, someone in the world of sports accidentally shooting themselves is Plaxico Burris, although that happened in a public setting, and he obviously went to jail for that. Um, because mm-hmm. this happened at home, I don't know what the laws are in Arizona. Do you, do you face any kind of criminal charge for this? No, it was, uh, I mean, he was, he was a boob. You know, he was, uh, he was carrying a gun because he was, you know, a thug, and he wasn't, I mean, my gun was a licensed firearm that I bought that was registered with the, with the state of Arizona. And uh, I was in my home doing, I mean, I was doing nothing illegal. Okay. Uh, even if I was, I, I mean, a foreigner, I would never be taking apart uh, loaded guns around people or do anything like that. Well, I would, you know, so completely different. That guy, that guy, you know, I, don't, I mean, I don't know the circumstance on how he shot himself, but I'm sure it wasn't, you know, like what I did. 
And, you know, Benson Henderson has been talking, you know, very highly of you as a coach. And it's clear when watching his fights, you're in his corner. You do a great job. You weren't in his corner this past weekend. I, I did see you send him a message out there before the fight. And he lost the fight in somewhat controversial fashion. What do you think of the finish? The stoppage, or um, I should say. Well, I, I mean, John, John's repped a ton of my fights, and he's never made a bad call. At the end of the day, you know, John thought, you know, that he was going to take uh, unnecessary punishment. You know, Benson has a, an indomitable spirit. He can come back from anything. So I do think if the fight would have been, would have, would have been let go, it would have not been stopped. Benson, uh, you know, would have been able to gain his consciousness. But, um, you know, I just, I, 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 feel, I feel terrible that I wasn't there for him and able to train with him for this fight. You know, I just, uh, I, mean, I feel terrible for Benson, you know, but he'll, he'll, just like, just like, uh, I mean, he could, Benson comes back from, he comes back from things in life, you know, better. Just every loss that he's had, he's come back better. Yeah. So this is, this will be no different. Benson's a special man. Well, Joe, very happy to hear that everything's okay, that you're going to make a full recovery, you're going to be able to fight again, return to the UFC. That's a great story. You coming back to the UFC was very happy for you. I told you in, in private, you always were very nice to me uh, as I was coming up, and I know you wanted to come <laughs> back, so really appreciate that. Um, and uh, and very happy to hear, most importantly, that your health is going to be uh, you know okay and you'll be able to recover. So uh, all the best Thank to you. you. Good luck with the recovery, and good luck getting on that card in, in Arizona in December. I think that would make for a great story. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and one more thing. Throughout this entire thing, this was a very painful experience physically and still didn't take any painkillers. Just want to let you know. Well done. Thank well you, done, Joe. Anybody wondering, yeah. Well done. So, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on, buddy. I appreciate it. All right, there he is. Joe Diesel Riggs. Uh, happy to hear that everything's okay with him. All right, let's move along now. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Invicta is back. They are back on September 6th. It's their very first show on UFC Fight Pass. And the main event features Michelle Karate Hadi Watterson against Yasuko Tamada in her first title defense as the 105-pound Invicta champion. And she joins us right now via the magic of Skype. There she is, Michelle Watterson. Michelle, how are you? I'm great. I had to rush home because I thought I'd have time to get ready. But uh, the heavyweights took a little longer this morning in practice, so uh, practice ran late. But I made it. Okay, well, I, I'm sorry to keep you waiting, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you for joining us and, and rushing home. That, that means a lot to us. By the way, you mentioned the heavyweights. Is everything okay over there? We, we hear all these rumors about Overeem and Arlovsky. What's going on? What's, what's the drama at Jackson Winklejohn these days? There's no drama. <laughs> it's like a family, you know? Some days you just don't get along with your brother and your sisters, and other days you do, you know? Sometimes you get, um, get, you get hit a little hard. Uh, you know, and that's, it, it is what it is. It's training. Everybody is there to do the same thing. And sometimes somebody uh, gets the better end of the stick on one day than the other. Right. I, I saw Overeem rocking a Karate Hottie t-shirt. So it seems like you two are getting along. I, uh, you know, everybody at Jackson's are, are super sweet. And, and they're so supportive uh, when it comes to all of us coming up. So, you know, um, all of them are rocking, rocking my stuff, and, and uh, we're going and we're training together, and so it, it, it's a good, it's a good camp. So everyone's very excited to see you back. Uh, it has been a while. Last time you fought was April of last year when you won the title against Jessica Panay. I mean, what what has this past year and a half been like for you? You've been inactive after the biggest win of your career 
arguably the fight of the year. You were getting a lot of love for that win, and then you sit on the sidelines with so much uncertainty involving Invicta. How frustrating was that? It was really frustrating, but I think I had to take um, that part of my life and then use it as a challenge and stuff as an obstacle to kind of overcome because um, I felt like before um, I would train for my fight camp and then I'd take a break. And then when I found out I had another fight, then I'd, then I'd train again. And um, I, I needed to, if I wanted to be a champion, if I want to stay a champion, I have to realize that you have to be a fighter all the time, you know, if this is going to be my career, I have to do it when I don't have a fight, it has to just be in my blood, and I have to be, I have to be passionate about it because I want to fight, not because I have a fight ahead of me. Mm. Uh, did you ever think about, you know, leaving Invicta, trying to get a fight elsewhere, just to remain active? Um, you know, I have all the faith in the world with Shannon, and, and I know that she had uh, big things coming up, um, and, you know, she just kept reassuring me that she, she had our best interest at hand. And so I never thought about leaving Invicta. I just think about having another baby. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's hard. You know, I have a family, and and uh, I probably could have had a baby. Yeah, you could have. <laughs> but it would have been perfect timing because my daughter's three now. I would have had two kiddos, and they've been three years apart, and then I would have I still would have been able to continue my career. But that's just not... Um, the way my cards are set up, and so you kind of just got to roll with the punches, and you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I was <clears throat> patient enough um, to wait for this deal. I think it's going to explode. Uh, so, just to confirm, you do want to be a mother again, right? I do. I mean, it's just, <laughs> my husband's pretty content with just the, the one. Oh. But if, uh, you know, if it's in the cards, and, and not anytime soon, because I just feel like I just kind of scraped the surface as far as my, my MMA career goes. Um, but I would, I would love to have another kiddo. Well, it does feel to me like, you know, at first, at the beginning of your career, you have one of the, the better nicknames in MMA. It just kind of rolls off your tongue. It's very memorable. And at first, some might say, oh, you know, she was kind of a gimmick. Oh, Karate Hottie, you know, your story about how you, you started and everything, somewhat well-documented. Yeah. But now it feels like you are getting respect as a legit MMA fighter, one of the best in the world. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like it's kind of turned from just like a gimmick fighter with the cool nickname or the memorable nickname to actually one yeah. of the best in the world? Now, you're actually getting that respect from the community. Would you agree? I hope so. You know, I, I put a lot of time and effort into my skills and my ability as a fighter. And, um, you know, it's something that I struggle with. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I've kind of come to terms with myself. And I and I know in my heart that I'm a fighter. And, and kind of that's all that matters to me. If somebody wants to watch me fight because my nickname is the Karate Hottie, <laughs> go for it, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm pretty legit in the cage. Did you ever think about getting rid of the nickname? These days, people are changing their nicknames, and I'm not in favor of it. I'm wondering if you thought about maybe outgrowing the nickname. No, no. I think, I think it's, it's, it's pretty catchy, Karate Hottie. Yeah. I would keep maybe it. Maybe Karate Mommy. No. Karate Mommy is a good one, too. Uh, a totally different connotation, but I think you should stick with yours. I don't like when people choose their own nicknames. It's been happening a lot yeah. these days in MMA. No, I, you know, I think it's stuck, and, I, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool nickname. I don't mind it. Who gave you that nickname, by the way? Uh, well, when I was working at Hooters, I was doing a bikini shoot, and this guy who on the website called Bikini.com. Oh, yes. had all these girls, and each girl had a theme. It was like 
the Prussian Russian and the, the fanatic. And um, he found out that I did uh, karate. And he was like, hey, can I put you on my website? I, I, I want to call you the karate hottie and, and do like your bikini shots with you. And I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, this, was before I, um, this was before I even had any amateur fights. And then so when I went to turn pro, the promoter asked the promoter asked me if I had a fight name, and I told him no. And he, he Googled my name, and Karate Hottie was the first thing that popped up. Ah, and it so has stuck. It. Um, yeah. You know, Jessica Panay tried out for the Ultimate Fighter. I, I believe she's on the show. That's what we're told, although the season starts uh, in two weeks. Did you think about trying out? I know it's not your weight class, but just to get in there? You know, uh, it was pretty tempting. Um, all those girls are, are, are highly competitive, and it's going to be a great season. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Um, but I just, I, I didn't, I mean, there were some temptations, but I think I was, I'm at a different point in my life right now with my family and having the belt. I think there's still some things I feel like I need to prove um, with Invicta and uh, my 105 title. I wonder if there were any moms on the show. I mean, it's got to be tough to leave your kid for six or so weeks, right? Oh, it breaks my heart to drop her off at daycare every yeah. day. <laughs> but, uh, uh, um, you know, it's, sometimes the sport requires sacrifice. And right. um, I think uh, if, if you're a mother in this sport, you just have to teach your children like that's it is what it is. You know, last year's dream, you know, sacrifice for, like, for the... Um, is, is, is in the small picture, you know, in the, in the bigger picture, you're, you're trying to achieve great things, you know. You know, it's funny, earlier today, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old boy, and earlier today I was uh, on, on the internet this morning, and he was on my lap, and I was on our website, MMAfighting.com, and he just said to me, what are you looking at, MMA? And I was like, wow, he actually knows what this is now. And so I'm wondering, you have a three-year-old girl, and her mom is a fighter. Does she understand exactly what you do? Like, does she get it? Yeah, she knows when I, when mommy says I'm going to work that I'm going to the gym. Um, my last fight actually, she was just starting to talk and kind of comprehend things, and she was at my fight. And after the fight was over, we um, got in the car and, and we we're kind of just winding down from like everything that had happened. And my daughter looks at me and she goes, "Mommy, you were mad." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, what? no, not really, baby. That's that's my job. And I like explained to her that, you know, we both getting in there to do the same thing. I wasn't upset. It was my job, you know. But it was kind of funny to see her reaction. Will you let her watch the fight live? Yes. Yeah, you have no problem with that. Even, you know, like if you get, you know, punch in the face or something, you're okay with that? She's been to, she's been to all my fights since she's been born. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, how old was she when she went to your first fight? 10 months. Oh, my gosh. All right. Because, you know, there are some people who, I, 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 recently someone told us this, who they're, they, they only let their kid watch after the fact because they know what's going to happen. But you have no reservations. No. And um, my thing is, she's going to love me no matter what. She's going to love me whether I win or I lose. And um, I think that the fact that she's there kind of... Um, takes away some of the pressure, you know, like, it's just another day at work, you know, and if you, once you realize that, then you can really flow and allow yourself to be in the moment, and, and that's what I'm all about these days. 
it seems like this is a big deal in Victor on Fight Pass. It seems like the UFC is really pushing you very hard. I mean, you had a media day in Vegas. They brought you out to the office. They've really zeroed in on you as one of the stars of Invicta. What's it like getting the UFC experience? Because this is, this is rare to, to have this when you're not in the UFC, but you're still kind of being treated like a UFC fighter. Yeah, I feel like the UFC is like my older brother, and they're kind of watching out after me. <laughs> <laughs> it is great, though, you know. Um, they really do take care of their fighters, and I think it's going to be a great partnership. And, um, you know, hopefully can represent Invicta well, and, and, and we just get bigger from there. Are you hoping that you become sort of like the Ronda Rousey of the 105 division and force them to introduce that weight class as well? Is that your goal to get in the UFC? I'm hoping I can become the karate hottie of UFC. Okay. Well, you know what I mean, right? To almost like be, you, you're so dominant and, and so successful and popular that they, they are forced to bring you in there. Yeah. You know, I would be lying if I said it wasn't a goal of mine. Right. I think everyone would want to be in the UFC. By the way, uh, during that time off, you, uh, you appeared on American Ninja Warrior. I tuned into this, and uh, I blinked for a second, and I, I almost missed the whole thing. What happened there? Uh, oh, well, <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I don't Did you underestimate the course? Did you not take it seriously? You know, I I know that it had a lot of upper bodies and I, a, lot, a lot of upper body things, and uh, I I don't I did not underestimate it, but I didn't give myself enough time to become comfortable with the course. I don't think I I probably started training two weeks out, and um, I just don't think that was enough time. Yeah, I mean, and and by the way, I don't mean to make light of it. I probably would have lasted, you know. Point three seconds. I mean, I I totally would have bombed. So, kudos to you for actually trying out. How did you even get the idea to do this? Was it Dotson? Well, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a ninja. Yeah. I mean, he's so athletic and acrobatic, and even him, like you know, even he has uh, got disqualified from the thing. I mean, it's just there's so many things stacked against them. Of course, they don't start filming until the sun goes down. They don't let the practice the course. The cameras are there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, John Dawson went out and tried out. And, I've, I mean, I've always been um, a fan of any type of something that involves ninjas. Right. <laughs> so, I, I mean, we used to watch the show all the time. And I, it's just kind of one of those things like, man, I wonder how I would do. So, you know, I, I put a little uh, audition tape together and, and threw it in there. And I figured why not keep myself active while I was inactive. It also looked like it was freezing. Was it really cold? Oh, my God. Yeah. It was so cold. It was it was middle of May, and I was driving out to Denver, and it was snowing. Oh, my. That must have affected and, you, too. I mean, you're all kind of stiff. It's cold, right? You're uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm trying to make excuses for you. <laughs> I have plenty of excuses if you want to hear them, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Well, what was it like? So it, it happened in May, and then it aired like a few months later. That must have 
kind of sucked that you had to like you couldn't get rid of the whole thing. You had to actually like let it drag on and right, and everyone's wondering how you did. Yeah. Kind of annoying, right? Well, I just I think I was kind of uh, disappointed in myself, and I wanted. I wanted to do better. I wanted to kind of represent the MMA world a little bit better. I feel like a lot of mixed martial arts fighters are pretty well-rounded athletes, and mm-hmm. I wasn't able to represent. So kind of let my my MMA team uh, down, you know. Well, you have a chance to do that on September six. Let's quickly talk about Tamada. She's making her Invicta debut, uh, coming over from Japan. What do you know about her? What do you expect from her? I expect her to come and, and come forward. I, I don't think she fights any other way. She's um, currently an awkward softball. She switches back and forth, and <clears throat> she's never been finished. And so I'm excited uh, to take it to her, and I think it'll be fun to fight softball. I have that spot. Wow. Do you feel like this is a bigger deal than some of your other fights? Like all the attentions on you, your first title defense. Like, are you starting to feel that pressure now that we're around, you know, two or so weeks away from the fight? Well, I start to get the butterflies, <clears throat> and then I just kind of remind myself that it's not fighting, fight night yet, you know. And uh, so, um, but the butterflies are good, I think, and it keeps me sharp. And uh, I just have to remember that at the end of the day, you know, you know, fight the fight, and we're all going to move together at the center of the cage, and you know, whatever happens, happens. Do you, do you typically get very nervous on fight day? It goes in waves, I think, you know. <clears throat> it's just like waiting in line for a roller coaster, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think only a select few people really understand what you guys go through, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. It, it. it all goes down September 6th, long overdue, the return of Invicta on Fight Pass, headlining act Michelle Watterson. Best of luck to you, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Appreciate you making the time, and, uh, and good luck on, on, on September 6th. Can't wait for it. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having me. There she is, the karate hottie herself, Michelle Watterson, defending her Invicta Antimweight, I was going to say UFC Antimweight, title the 105 pound belt on september 6th that's a that's a big deal for invicta as they make their debut on ufc fight pass here we go i gotta give something here to mr new york rick curious to see how the the product looks on Fight Pass. Curious to see if they do anything different. Obviously, they're promoting them. Uh, I think maybe a, more than other people expected, or most people expected. As I mentioned, they brought Michelle out for a media day. Uh, if you go to UFC.com, you see them all over the place. And that's why I think this deal for the Invicta fighters and the Invicta organization is maybe... Well, it's not maybe, is better than your typical TV deal, unless it's, you know, a home run TV deal, because at least you have the UFC machine pumping you up. And that helped WC very much. You know, Strike Force was kind of a lame duck by the time all that happened. But if you get the UFC machine behind you, pumping you up, promoting you, it can do wonders. And I think that's why this is this is a good deal. We don't know about the financial aspect of the deal and, and, and how much they're making off the deal, but at least from a marketing and uh, promotional standpoint, 
it's it's a great opportunity for them, and they're really pushing Michelle more than anyone on this particular card. It's going to be interesting to see when Cyborg fights for them, how much they push her given their history with Cyborg. But for now, September 6th is, is, is a big one for them, their first offering on Fight Pass, and it comes a day after a very busy night in the world of uh, combat sports with both the UFC and Bellator on the same night in the same state, September 5th, the UFC at Foxwoods in Connecticut and Bellator Mohegan Sun, UFC with a great card, uh, Musasi versus Jacare 2, Overeem versus Rothwell, Lewis versus Mitrione, a great card, and that is uh, in a little over a week's time, week and a half or so. On October 4th, the UFC has a doubleheader like they had this past weekend. They've got a show headlined by Gunnar Nelson versus Rick Story that's airing on Fight Pass here in uh, North America. That is from Sweden. And then in Halifax, it's Rory McDonald versus Tarek Safadine, a very big night for the welterweights. And right now we have uh, half of that headlining act on the line right now. Rory McDonald joining us on the MMA Hour. Rory, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you know, I said at the at the top of the show uh, that the tickets are selling amazingly for this card. I mean, just just very few left, almost sold out already. Uh, I know you were there last week in Halifax for the press conference. Did you get the sense that that Atlantic Canada was just jonesing for the UFC? Because this is great. Yeah, I believe it's the first time UFC's come there. So, you know, I think anytime a UFC card comes to a, a big Canadian city for the first time, everyone is uh, dying to come out and, you know, I'm ready to put on a good show for them. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, there's a lot of energy for the people of the city. Some might be surprised to hear that this is your first time headlining a show because you've been in big fights, you've been around for, for a little bit now. Um, does it does it feel any different? The fact that this is a, a main event, like you feel like, oh, I, I really have to produce. You always want to produce, but when you're the headline, everything is based around you. It's a little different, right? Um, I don't really feel any extra pressure, to be honest with you. I mean, a fight's a fight, in my mind. And that's all I really focus on. All the all the television stuff and the marketing is, uh, you know, it's just a show to me. Um, the reality of the situation is that it's going to be a fight. And uh, I've done it many times. He called you out. This is a fight that he wanted. He came on this show. He went on other shows, said he wanted to fight you. What did you think when you heard that Tarek Safadine was asking to fight you and almost campaigning for this fight? Uh, I didn't really hear too much about it. Uh, I just kind of got a call from the USD and said that's uh, who they want me to fight next. So I said, sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of guys that, that ask for fights with me for some reason. So I don't know. I don't really care. I think it's a good thing because... You know, I think very soon I'll be at the very top of the hill. I'll be the king of the hill, and, uh, you know, everyone will be gunning for me. So, I mean, it's a good thing that people want to fight you, you know, in this business. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they're asking for you? I don't know. It's, I don't know. You take it as a compliment? I don't really think about it, <laughs> to be completely honest. I mean, I, my focus is to be, to be fighting the for the championship i don't really care about people who are you know ranked below me or whatever i just want i want i want the belt and if if other people are calling me on you know if that's their focus you know that's that's on them you're still uh not consuming the mma media right no <laughs> no interest i guess that's why no, you don't know that these people are calling you out 
sometimes I hear about it, like, like from like, you know, I'll be like talking to someone and be like, oh, did you hear about this and this? And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't hear about that, you know? Were you holding out know. hope because that win over Tyron Woodley in Vancouver was, was so dominant and so impressive? A lot of people thought that it was your best performance in the UFC. Were you holding out hope that you would get a title shot, even though they were, you know, the call, they were calling that Matt Brown, Robbie Lawler fight number one contender, but you never know what happens in this sport. Like, did, did you think you might steal it away from them? I, it was a possibility. I mean, I, I really didn't put all, I didn't really put too much hope into it. I was just kind of going with the flow. Um, I have to do what I have to do. Um, when I fight, and that's all I, it, that's within my hands. It's in my, it's in my control, and you know I try to put on the best performance that I can, and, and try to get to that spot. And I think I, I, I'm I'm inching my way closer. I, I'm I'm right there, you know. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll fight whoever I have to fight to prove that I'm the best. Did you watch the Lawler Brown fight? Uh, yes. What do you think of it? What do you think of Lawler's performance? Did you think it was enough to get another title shot, considering he just got one in March? Uh, it was a good fight, you know, and, and he and he just beat like Ellenberger pretty badly. He's been impressive, so I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's he's a great fighter, and hopefully, I'll get another fight against him in the future too. Um, you know, I'm not going to argue the, the UFC decision on who they want fighting next for the belt, but. Uh, you know, I, I really believe that I am the best. And uh, when I get that shot, I'm going to make a statement. And I, I'm going to be holding that belt for a long time. I'm pretty sure the last time you were on this show was right after the Lawler fight. You had a, a very honest and real interview about just wanting to get back to your old self and, you know, forgetting about the loss and everything like that. Do you still think about the loss or are those two wins, Maya Woodley, have they completely erased that from your system? I try to live in the moment, and I've, I've, I learn from my losses. You know, you know, they're, they're part of your career as an MMA fighter, and I try, I, I felt that I've, I've grown from my my two losses in the UFC, and uh, it's been a positive thing. Um, I know that I'll have a better uh, all my fights since then, and my fights going forward uh, uh, will be better. What was the difference between that Roy McDonald against Lawler and the one that fought in the last two fights? Because you've really put it all together as of late, kind of going back to before the Lawler fight. So what, what was the difference? Was it just a bad night for you? No, I mean, I had a bad, I, I had a bad count. I, my, my, my focus wasn't in it. And, uh, you know, if you're not focused at the top level of the sport, uh, these guys are going to make you pay. And, um, you know, I, I was comfortable with, I was just training the way I was comfortable with. And, you know, I wasn't really pushing myself and, it was, it was my fault. At the end of the day, I didn't work hard enough, and Rob came out, and, and, and he had a good fight. We had a close fight, and, uh, you know, I, I really believe that when I rematch him, it, it's going to be another great fight, but I'm going to come out on top. Uh, Tarek Safadine, former Strike Force welterweight champion, has uh, he, he's really turned his career around since losing to Woodley, although he's been very inactive. Only fought once in the UFC since Strike Force was absorbed. Had a nice win in January, but injuries have, have kind of slowed him down. Uh, all that being said, have you been watching him? Are you impressed with the guy? Do you think, you know, do you think he is a top welterweight contender? Yeah, uh, I definitely have a lot of respect for him. You know, he, he's, a great, he's a great fighter and definitely excited about this matchup i feel like you know we're going to put on a great show and uh, i'm going to uh, i'm looking to have a dom- another dominant performance you know as always it's what my goal is and i'm training very hard and taking them really serious 
I noticed on Twitter, maybe not all that recently, but somewhat recently, you 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 changed your Twitter icon to a lion. Why did you do that? Uh, I'm I'm in the hunt mode, you know, <laughs> Ariel. Yes. I'm. Uh, you know, I feel like when I, I right now in the last couple of fights, you know, I'm I'm really hungry. I'm really focused, and you know, I'm I'm there. I'm there for the kill. You know, I'm 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 coming for that belt. And I'm going to de- demolish everyone I have to to get get to that point. You know, I've been meaning to ask you this uh, question. I, I heard a story, and I want you to clear it up for me. Someone told me uh, somewhat recently that, you know, the, the UFC gives you the option to pick out your walkout song, right? And someone told me right. that they were sending an email to someone who they believed to be Roy McDonald, but it wasn't you. Uh, and this guy was picking yeah. out these like wacky walkout songs for you. And it was only recently that okay. they figured this out and you picked out your real walkout song. Is this true? Yeah. Yes. This is a funny story. Okay. What happened? Um, I moved from Kelowna to Montreal and I changed my phone number. So the person who got my old number, um, the person who is dealing with the walkout music, uh, his name is Jason. Um, he, it doesn't just do the walkout music, but he was the one contacting me, and he didn't get my new number. So he had my old one, and he texted, hey, Rory, uh, what's your next entrance music? So this guy apparently pretended to be me because he knew who I was, and he was picking my entrance music. And I was like, every time I told me what to fight, I'm like, why the hell is this fight? You know, I didn't pick this, you know? Every, it, was, it was so weird. And not that I really care. I mean, it's not like the biggest deal for me. I, it's just music, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, it's kind of frustrating, you know? It's like weird. Like Joe Rogan making fun of me for like, my music. I'm like, oh, man, this, is, this sucks, you know, a little bit. But, and then, and then one day, uh, I can't remember what the fight was, but, Jason comes up to me and he's like, oh, man, sorry, we can't play uh, such and such song. And he named the song. I was like, what are you talking about, man? I think it was like a Nickelback song. <laughs> and and he's like, you said you wanted this song when I texted you. I'm like, dude, I never said that. And he's like, I'll show you. He showed me. I'm like, dude, that's my old number. Who are you talking to? So he calls the guy. He's like, dude, yeah. This is not Roy McDonald. You're faking. He's like, oh yeah, I'm just a fan. I was just uh, pretending and oh my, and that. And yeah, so he was just a fan, and he was picking my entrance music for a few years. <laughs> so when you were getting to the events, did you ever think like, hey, when, at what point should I tell them what my song will be? Like, what, and then that would kind of lead to them understanding that it wasn't you picking the songs. Did you ever think of that? Because I can imagine you walking out and being like, well, this this is not my song. I hate this song, and it kind yeah. of putting you in a weird place. I don't know. It was, it, it's not really the biggest thing on my mind that week, so I, I don't even think about it. It just kind of happens as it happens. You know, someone asks me what song you want, I say it, and that's kind of the end of the thought of it. But uh, I don't know. It was a, It's a funny thing that that, that, that happened. And it's, it's nice that I've actually been able to choose my music now. Did you ever get in touch with the guy who has your old number and ask him why he was doing this? No, no, but... Uh, Jason did, and he said, uh, uh, I'm just a fan, you know. Wow. And now I'm wondering, what's most interesting about this is that I heard that you started picking your own song uh, prior to the UFC 167 fight against Robbie Lawler, and that song struck me as somewhat odd. I mean, I'm no, you know, song, I'm, I'm no song snob or music snob, you know, these hipsters. That, okay. But it was, uh, it was a Rihanna song, I believe, We Found Love. Yeah. Did you pick that song? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I did it. I like that song a lot. It didn't seem very Roy McDonald-esque. I like lots of different music. You like what? Like, Sorry? I like plenty of different music. Okay. Was that the first time you, you were able to pick your song? Uh, I can't remember. You're, you're not the... Are you the kind of... Te- oh, the, the first one, the first one was uh, against Shane Mills. I picked uh, a Tupac and Biggie song. So you go from Tupac Biggie to Rihanna, We Found Love. What was the message behind that song, the Rihanna song? And then I, and then I think we went, I think I went to Metallica after that. I don't know. So it's all over the map. But the Rihanna one kind of sticks out. Oh, We Found Love? It just seems a little <laughs> bit <laughs> out of left field. It's just music, man. It's just me. You're, you're not. You're not trying to send a message or anything like that. No. Okay. My message is when I fight. <laughs> right. Um, by the way, a good friend of yours, Mike Ricci, winning on Friday. Uh, do, yeah. do, do you think he's done enough to to warrant another look in the UFC, or do you think he should, you know, yeah. still hone his craft a little more on the uh, the regional scene, so to speak? I, uh, you know, honestly, I watched that fight, and I, that's the best I've ever seen Mike fight. Like. Uh, I really, when he, I, I knew he had the potential to fight like that against top level guys. And, you know, now that he's got his focus back, he's ready. You know, he's ready for, he's ready for the UFC. And, you know, if he carries that kind of focus into, into big fights in the UFC, he's going to do a lot of damage. And I, I've said that for a long time. He did say to me, he made a promise. He said he will finish every opponent outside the UFC. And this one went the distance. So should I hold him to that? <laughs> Yeah, bust his balls about it a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that's the reason why he shouldn't go back into the UFC. He didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Uh, come on, you can't, you can't do that. No. The guy was in the ER for a couple, like, I don't even know how long, but... What happened? The guy was... I don't know, did you see the fight? Oh, the other guy. Okay, I thought you meant Mike Ricci was yeah. in the ER. No, no. He hurt the guy real bad. That was a devastating fight. Hey, what's going on with all your, I don't know if this is the right uh, word, uh, term to describe these uh, vehicles, ATVs? It seems like you're, you're roughing yours up. I mean, I'm a little nervous that you're putting your body in harm here. Yeah, I, I'm not doing it right now. I mean, I'm training for my flight, but sometimes I go a little fast on certain things, yeah. <laughs> did, <laughs> did you rough it up recently? You, you tweeted a picture. It's not like I had to do a lot of digging to find this out. Yeah, it's... I tore I tore apart the front axle on on a side by side. Was it? Did you get yeah. into an accident, or you were just going too fast, or you were reckless? No, it wasn't too fast or anything. I just I hit a boulder going down a trail. Not I wasn't even going fast that time, and uh, it, the the boulder was hidden under some tall grass on the trail, and uh, it just tore it. It ripped, ripped up the quad pretty good. Did you do this in Montreal? This was in BC. Oh, okay. And uh, one I, last... I have, a mo- I have a motocross bike in BC, or in Montreal. Uh, but where do you go do this in Montreal? Montreal, there's like a... You can go lots of trails here. There's a sand pit I like to go to in a construction site. Oh. Kind of, and there's a, there's a few different motocross tracks. Well, don't tell the UFC. I think they probably know. Yeah, they probably. I don't know. know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't do it when I have a fight booked. One more thing before I let you go. Bitcoin is it kind of going down? I heard you. You know, we talked about this briefly in Vancouver. You're a big Bitcoin guy. I feel like the the phenomenon is going down. Am I wrong? It goes up and down. Yeah, it's 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 very volatile. So uh, you know, you know, you can't predict them where the market's going or anything. But you know, are you uh, still into it? Oh yeah, for sure. 
What if you said to, what if the UFC said to you, we don't want to pay you money, we want to pay you Bitcoin? Would you be okay with that? Um, at the present moment, uh, probably not. But at, at, certain, at certain times, why not? Yeah, sure. Because at the present moment, because it's down? Yeah. Can you describe, like, in one sentence what exactly Bitcoin is? Because I still don't understand. But actually, me. Hello? Oh, no. Did we lose him? I'm here. Oh, oh, there you go. Did you, Did you not hear me? No, I missed you. You cut oh. out for a second. I said, uh, maybe it's not a bad idea if I got Bitcoins now because if the price is low, I might, be get, might get more. And then when it, if a price rises, I, I make money off of, off of it. Yeah, buy low, sell high, right? Exactly. But can can you describe for those that don't know, including myself, in, in a sentence, what exactly is Bitcoin? Um, okay, I think it's uh, decentralized cryptocurrency. That is like the best way to say it. Um, I'm not I'm not super good with like, explaining it very well. There's lots of YouTube videos. Explaining how it all works and all that thing is government. Gov- it's not. Uh, it's not governed uh, by any uh, central bank or any government agency or anything like that. So there's no taxes on it. You could buy anything with it. Um, you know, people send millions of dollars. They transfer money with it because the fees are extremely low compared to like going through a bank. So um, it's pretty interesting. Who introduced you to it? Hobby. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. What th- yeah. Wow. Uh, and every morning you go on a website and check if it's up or down. Yeah, pretty much. I have an app on my phone. Oh, th- is there like a an official Bitcoin app? No, there's lots. There's like Bitcoin tickers. You know, you can check the price in certain markets, like on um, like certain uh, exchanges and things like that. And how much do you? Uh, or is this too personal of a question? Like, how much do you own? At the moment, I only have like three. Three. Yeah, I mean, I'm I buy buy low, sell high, right? Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what three means, but can you buy things with that amount? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think at the moment. Let me check one second. Okay. I'll tell you how much three is worth. Because three doesn't sound like a lot, but again, I don't really know. It's, it's not. It, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's. One Bitcoin right now is basically around like five hundred and sixty-five bucks. Oh, okay. So you have like around like sixteen hundred or so dollars. Yeah, it's around there. And then there's also things like Litecoin. It's a lot cheaper, you know, all kinds of things. There's a lot of different cryptocurrencies, but Bitcoin is like the leader. You know, it's in you know it's like the dominant currency right now. Them. And when you want to buy this, do you actually give someone money? I mean, is it is it legit? Are, are you, is is it like is it, is it all kosher? Yeah, oh yeah, it's completely legit. Research wow. it. It's it's very interesting. Wow, it, it sounds interesting. All right, fascinating stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. ask the UFC if they don't mind paying you in Bitcoin if, if for your next fight, if that's okay with you. <laughs> I actually asked if I could use uh, Walkout or put it on my banner, my um, my. I think it's called a CV code or something like that. Oh. And uh, I wanted to put it on my banner. And basically, pe- people could take a picture of your CV code and and send you Bitcoins over. It's, it's so cool, but it, I could, it didn't work out, you know. So, what, did they say yeah. no? 
Yeah, it didn't help. It's like a new, it was like a last minute thing, you know? So. Are you going to do it for maybe, this fight? I don't think, I don't think it's allowed, you know? Oh, that's too bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, well, well, I appreciate the time. Great stuff as always, Rory. Looking forward to the fight October 4th, you versus Tarek Safadine in Halifax. If you want to go to the fight and you're in Halifax, uh, there aren't a lot of tickets left, so I do suggest uh, snagging them while they are still available. Best of luck to you, Rory, and thank you very much for the time. Thanks, buddy. All right, there he is, Rory McDonald. Big fight for him. A big fight for the welterweight division. Uh, and, of course, a big day for the welterweight division on October 4th. As, as I mentioned at the top of the interview, Gunnar Nelson and Rick Story go toe-to-toe in Sweden. That fight airing on Fight Pass, Roy McDonald versus Tarek Safadine airing on Fox Sports 1 here in the United States. Great stuff with the, uh, the walkout music. How about that? Finally confirmed that story that I've been wanting to ask him about for quite some time. All right, let's move along. One of the big stories in a very busy day for the world of the UFC was Ben Saunders coming back to the UFC and not just coming back, winning in his return to the UFC and not just winning, pulling off the very first Oma Plata submission victory in UFC history. Think about all the fights, all the submissions, all the years, 20 plus years the UFC has been around. No one has ever done what Ben Saunders did in his return to the UFC on Saturday in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Had to talk to him about it, so he joins us right now on the MMA Hour to do just that. Ben, how are you? Doing great, man. Doing great. Happy to be here. Well, congratulations to you. Uh, I saw that you were on, I believe it was the UG, and you said, if I died today, I'd be happy. I'm a, I'm a happy man. I made it back to the UFC, and I pulled off what no one has ever done. Does, does, does that best describe what you're feeling right now, just over the moon, cloud nine, and then some? No, for sure. Absolutely, man. Uh, I also wrote that before flying, uh, um, flying back, I believe. And, uh, pretty much I hate flying, man. So pretty, uh, I tell myself it's a good day to die every time I get on a plane, just in case. Oh, so you were getting a little emotional there. But no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I think I wrote that, uh, in my hotel room before, uh, for uh, flying, um, going to the airport. I was just joking, but okay. As 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 far as dying on the airplane, right? No, I, I obviously I understand that, but you want to put yourself out there, and it was great. I, I love what you wrote. Um, and and you had talked for some time that you wanted to get back into the UFC. You got back into the UFC, and they gave you a very short notice fight. I mean, you had just a few days to prepare for this fight. Were you okay with that? Were you were you you know a hundred percent? Not as far as like injuries and whatnot, but just like were you in shape going into this fight? No, definitely, man. Definitely. Uh, I was good to go. I was happy to be there. Um, it was a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, I've said it before, but I'll say it again, man. Thank you to uh, Joe Silva, you know, Dana White and Lorenzo Petito for just giving me the opportunity. The biggest thing going out there was just to make sure that, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to prove to them that it wasn't a bad decision to bring me back. And, um, you know, uh, I, wanted, I wanted to do my best to... Um, you know, kind of, uh, like always, put put on a great show for the fans. Did you ever lose lose hope that you would return to the UFC? Did you ever kind of say, you know, it might not happen for me? Um, there was there was a time there was a time, man, that that it was kind of it was kind of reaching there. Um, you know, th- things got a little dark. <laughs> I almost thought about retirement, but. Uh, you know, uh, it, 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 
at that point, it, it, it was really just kind of along the lines of, I fight for me. You know, I, I fight because I love to do it. And, um, you know, I was, I was basically putting it at that point in time, I was put in a spot where I didn't believe that, uh, I was going to be able to, uh, venture out and, 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 and really make, make that happen again. So I was like, if, if, if I'm not going to be able to make this happen or even get the opportunity, um, you know, I, I'm just going to go to kickboxing then I'm going to, I'm oh. going to, I'll leave MMA and just move on and do that. So when did you think about retirement? Uh, not to get too crazy into this, man, but it was, uh, it, it was between, you know, some, some stuff going on between me and Bjorn and, uh, and Bellator and, uh, the way, you know, the way that he wanted to, uh, kind of play his system and play his game. And it wasn't, it was not what I signed up for, you know, uh, I, I never in a million years thought it was going to take me four years to get back to the UFC. And, um, you know, uh, for, for legal reasons, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to get too much into it, but it, it just pretty much seemed like there, there wasn't a way out. Uh-huh. And, uh, it wasn't, it, it was never my dream to, uh, to stay with them for the rest of my career. And, uh, <laughs> he, in my opinion, he, he, that, that was his, that was his, you know, uh, idea of, or his, his hope. Did the UFC come calling earlier and they prohibited you from signing with them? Um, I mean, I did, I did, uh, they, they did ask me after my first Bellator debut, you know, uh, they, they, uh, they hit up, um, Dan Lambert and, and, and wanted to know whether or not I was in contract. Um, unfortunately at that time I was. But, uh, you know, it's, all I'll say is, you know, I, from, from what people can, can tell from other people's stories, like I said, I'm not going to go into details about mine for legal reasons, but, uh, from what people have seen through other stories of other fighters and contractual disputes and whatnot, uh, no. The, the powers, powers that be over there wanted to play a weird game that, uh, wasn't, wasn't what I signed up for, man. It wasn't, it wasn't what I got into this game for. Um, you know, it, it, I also felt in a way, me and, and, me and Eddie Alvarez were, were kind of a, a different, a little bit of a different breed. I mean, obviously I think he, he, he was even at a, a different level because he was like a top five in the world when, you know, he, he, or top five or top 10 in the world when he ended up going with Bellator. But, uh, man, I already had an established name too, you know, for tough six and all and everything the UFC has done for me. So it was kind of like, I could kind of get from a business perspective, if you guys are trying to hold on and, 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 and play, play some weird game with the, uh, the talent you personally yourself brought up and right. built. Um, but to play it with people that were kind of in the game before you even were around it, it, it was, it was, 
it was a different, it was, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't, I can't even explain it. It, it. it brought anger, depression. It was just, it was bad, man. So Bellator themselves, man, the actual company, I'll say this time and time again, man, there's so many good, amazing people that work for them. The roster is filled with talent. You know, uh, I wish them nothing but the best. I think getting rid of Bjorn and it, it seems like they got rid of, a lot of people that, in my opinion, were were the bad, the negative energy coming from Bellator, making pretty bad decisions that were either maybe pissing people off or they, it, it was causing issues. And uh, I think I think they they kind of clean house. They they listen to people. They listen to stories and. Uh, I think that with Scott Coker's, you know, uh, now in charge and, 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 uh, you know, uh, the new things that they're doing over there, I think it's going to be a great company. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm very happy for everyone over there. So, you know, you left Bellator and you last fought for them in September, 2013. You recently signed with Titan and you never actually fought for Titan. They let you go to, you know, they kind of did the exact opposite from what was happening, I guess, with Bellator, and they let you go when the UFC came calling. How thankful are you are that they did, you know, I guess, stay true to their word, because they do say that they have the Zufal clause. They could have said, and I think they have they have a thing in their in their contracts that allow, a clause that allow you guys to leave if, if you get a deal from the UFC, but if it's within 30 days of a fight, they can say no, but they didn't say that. So how thankful are you that they didn't say that? Extremely thankful, man. Uh, are you surprised you know, they did like that, it, given what you had been through? Are you surprised the promoter actually did something nice? <laughs> yeah, man, coming from where I came from, I was a little, I, I was definitely, uh, you know, a little shocked about it. Um, but, I, but I think I think that that was really good on their part to kind of let the world know what kind of company they're striving to be. Yeah. Um, you know, things happen in the fight game that, you know, are 100% out of people's control. And, uh, I, the same thing went with Titan. You know, I, I, I wish nothing but the best for them. I, I wish nothing but success for them. Um, you know, they, they had, you know, some unfortunate situations occur, uh, as well. You know, they, they had, uh, main events get canceled and shows have to get postponed and moved. And, uh, you know, I was kind of playing, playing the waiting game with them as well. And, uh, but, you know, I didn't take it, I didn't take it personal, like, uh, you know, especially because, you know, the company, um, with their kind of company, it's not like they had all the resources in the world to, to make, make shows happen no matter what, what, what could occur. But, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I was trying to fight in April, then it was supposed to be May, then it got changed to June 20th, and then uh, August 22nd, it got postponed again. So, uh, you know, that I think that was just circumstance, that was just, uh, you know, you playing, and when, when you're playing in MMA, man, things happen, and uh, I think that's also why they understood, they were like, you know, they, they understood that I, I've been ready to go and uh, th- things that things have just, you know, uh, circumstances have just arose and um, things have fallen the way they have. 
not by no means on on their uh, being their fault. You know, uh, if main events get uh, pushed back and, and dates and uh, scheduling gets messed up, you know that that's the game. We just kind of got to roll with it. And um, once again, we're in a predicament, and you know it, it really sucked that things fell through for me, and that's why. Man, once again, I so I can't even say it, man. Uh, I thought I was out of everything, and uh, then you know, for to have the UFC come in and back up, man, it just uh, it's amazing. And then, I mean, you can't write a better script than this one. You you coming out, you winning, and then you know you you pull off a submission like that. And and at the beginning of the fight, have you seen the fight on TV again? Yeah, when we were in the back room after, oh, after that's the right. fight, yeah, yeah, we got to see it uh, replay before the main event, which is freaking awesome. Also, yeah, and they were talking on the broadcast how you know it was it was kind of clear that his game plan, Chris Heatherly's game plan, would be to take you down, and he did take you down rather early, and you you went into obviously jujitsu mode. You had Eddie Bravo in your corner. And I'm wondering, were you going for the omoplata? Because at first, I mean, you were you were showing off the rubber guard, and it seemed like you were going maybe for a triangle, and then the omoplata presented itself. But were you thinking omoplata the whole time? It was. I mean, most things with jiu-jitsu, it's kind of like you have step paths and destinations, um, and whatever's kind of given along the way you take. Uh, but we were working that. We were working that pretty much. It was, you know... Uh, it was mission control, uh, mission control to uh, crackhead control to basically double arm in uh, triangle. Um, I had the opportunity to do arm bars and, uh, and chokes from there as well, but uh, we kind of were down with the game plan of let's just try to elbow the hell out of them and see if we can finish the fight from here with elbows. And, um, you know, I, I, when I started to actually get some elbows in, you know, once again, jujitsu. He chose his path. He chose his direction, and we just kind of roll with it. He chose to. Uh, he didn't like the elbows to the dome too much, so we popped his. You know, he he squeezed and popped his head out back, and uh, that's when we. You know, I switched it up to the umaplata, and uh, while in the umaplata, I was. You know, I was actually thinking. Uh, you know, okay, try to flatten him out. Should I? Should I stay here? Then you know, immediately I'm. I'm around the hip, making sure stop the roll, stop the roll. If he does roll, at least we come up on top. If anything, worst case scenario, we can ditch it and just stand back up. Um, but then I remember uh, Joe Rogan going over the, basically it's like an S grip or a gable grip around the neck. It's like a vicious neck crank from there. So I was thinking trying to get that, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't easily accessible. Um, Eddie Bravo was screaming to go around the right arm in an S grip or, or gable grip to, uh, to finish the Laplata. But I felt, uh, I felt when I was letting go of it, of his hips, he was tripoding up, um, which in turn basically means, okay, this dude's definitely going to try to roll and, uh, and just try to, you know, get out, uh, even if he's in that position. So I went back to the hip, didn't let go of the hip. And uh, you know he wasn't he wasn't um, he wasn't tapping to uh, a regular umoplata, so I flattened him out, went to the wrist, and uh, finished it there. 
I like it seemed to me like you were actually looking over at Eddie and listening to him as it was as it was all unfolding. Is that correct? Absolutely. That's great. Absolutely exactly what was going on. Um, did you have any idea that there had never been an Omoplata victory in the UFC? I had an opinion, like, a, you know, I, I thought that might be possible, um, but I wasn't, I wasn't 100% for sure whether or not it, that was accurate. I and, know that I never saw it. Right. Um, once, I mean, at what point did you know you had him? Did you know right away? Yeah, I was pretty tight, man. The second I got to it, I can tell with my legs. You know, when you do something for so long, you just know when you're in a great spot and uh, you can feel the pressure. And uh, and, and I, I definitely felt and knew that I had it. Um, the only thing I knew is I've been there before. Uh, for instance, my fight with Sapo. I was there before, and uh, I just got way too carried away. Um and, and trying trying to really force something that doesn't need to be forced. So it was all about patience, um, you know, making sure that I control him, maintain position, flatten him out before, you know, eventually getting the, getting the finish. Can you put into words what it felt like when you realized that he tapped it? It almost seemed like you were getting emotional. Like, how, how can you describe that moment? Man, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, like, I, I was, I was excited. Uh, at the same time, hell, I almost felt like crying because of all the, for the, the four years it took me to get back there, man, and everything that I've been through. Uh, hell, man, it's been a year since my last fight in general, so it's just, it's been a very, very long, long year um you know just basically all the ups and downs and everything for it to unfold the way it did uh it was every emotion all at once <laughs> I, I don't really know what the hell to do man i was just uh like i like you do i scream like ah like out of anger and excitement or just smile and indulge or freaking cry from the insanity man it was uh it was unbelievable well, I thought you handled it very well because you had your moment, but you also went and checked on him, and that showed a lot of you know sportsmanship and, and class, so I, I think you handled it very well. I noticed afterwards that you, you tweeted out a picture of a pepperoni pizza. I love pizza. That pizza looked amazing. How did it taste, your, your, your celebratory it was, pizza? It was so awesome, man. <laughs> it was delicious. And it was so late there that they didn't, the only thing else that was available was like McDonald's. And I was like, that is the worst. Like, I thought that I was going to have to, you know, eat nothing, eat maybe some of the healthy food that I still had in my <laughs> in my hotel room or something like that. But uh, there, there was a Papa John's, I guess, still open. We were able to order it. And uh, it was also so, by the, it was so late by then, man, we were starving that uh, I pretty much ate an entire, we got two pods, man. I pretty much ate an entire pot myself. <laughs> Well, you certainly deserved it. Uh, so now you're back in the UFC. You got a bonus, too. I mean, what a return. This is storybook stuff. Um, I also, and correct me if I'm wrong, in that post, I, I believe you alluded to the fact that they had been filming a documentary about you, and, and, and uh, it's, it's going to culminate in this moment. Is that accurate? Yeah, man. Yeah, we've been doing a, we've been doing a documentary for pretty much the past two years, uh, you know, kind of showing the ups and downs uh of basically what I've been going through for, for 
throughout that time. And uh, I, I can tell you, man, this has been the craziest ride <laughs> of my life. And uh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just very grateful. I, th- I think that we got a lot of it, you know, uh, on film, and I'm, I'm looking forward to them uh, bringing the production together. Um, anybody that wants to check out what it's about, uh, you know, you can see the trailer and, and everything. You can go to imbensaunders.com and uh, see the details. See if you, uh, you know, uh, you, you can you can also, uh, you know, just shoot the shoot the address out and let people know about it. And uh, it's a project we've been working on and see, see how you can get involved if interested. Far be it for me to tell you how to, you know, produce your documentary. I, I, I have a hard time believing you'll have a better ending than the one that happened on Saturday. I mean, that's, like I said, that's storybook stuff. So that seems like a pretty good place to end the whole thing. I think people would say, like, isn't that, isn't that how the, uh, the movie Warrior and then, <laughs> kind of, yeah. You got like an Uber plot or something like that. All oh, right, <laughs> that's crazy. It's uh, it's unbelievable that it would that you had a documentary filming at the time and that it would culminate in that. Um, final thing: When do you want to come back? When do you want to fight again and keep this train moving along? Man, uh, right now, man, I, I just want to take a week off, not think about fighting, not think about training. Uh, I've pretty much been in training camp since January. I helped Thiago, uh, Thiago Alves for his fight against Seth, and that, that started in February. I even helped Tyron Woodley for his fight. We fought on the same night. That was so crazy, man. Yeah. That is so crazy. I'm so happy for him. And uh, I just need to take a week off, man, let my body, let my mind just kind of forget about everything that I've been, you know, uh, been doing. And, uh, and, then, and then it's back to the game, man, back to the grind looking forward to the future well very happy for you congratulations on getting back into the ufc and pulling off uh you know maybe the unthinkable uh, an omoplata victory in the ufc very rare never happened before until saturday night uh you, you deserve that bonus you deserve that pizza looking forward to that documentary as well i will definitely check that out and uh looking forward to your next fight ben congratulations no thank you guys again all right Appreciate there he it. is kill a b ben saunders back in the ufc in a very big way and uh pulling off what no one has ever done before in the UFC. That's, that's great stuff. So congratulations to him and, and uh, looking forward to his next fight. He had been doing good things in Bellator. Unfortunate to hear what happened, but you know, you've heard those stories before now with the Bellator fighters. Obviously a new era now with Scott Coker releasing Eddie Alvarez, showing some good faith, telling the world that this is a new era. They, they made the right call, in my opinion. We talked about that on the MMA beat on Thursday. And... Uh, Titan as well doing the right thing by letting Ben go to the UFC even though he was supposed to fight within 30 days so that 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 is that is pretty cool stuff from from a couple of MMA promoters we we don't get to say a lot of good things about them sometimes because sometimes they don't do the best things but those were two really good things so kudos to them both Scott Coker and uh, Jeff Aronson and Lex McMahon over at uh, Titan Fighting Championship. All right, uh, that does it for our interviews this week. Appreciate everyone. Some some really great stuff this week. Really enjoyed the show as far as the interviews uh, are concerned. Some some really honest and uh, interesting discussions. Uh, so let's move along now to Inside the Vault, our third week doing this, and it seems like people are enjoying it. And actually, uh, somewhat surprising to me, people hearing or watching interviews for the first time. I thought most of the people watching this show had seen this stuff, but apparently not. So let's go back now to July 2010. Um, If you recall, back at UFC 108 in Las Vegas, 
a boxer by the name of James Tony showed up at the post-fight press conference and started hounding UFC president Dana White. He said he wanted him to put his money where his mouth was. He wanted a fight in the UFC. Uh, later, we find out that he had some financial trouble. Maybe that's why he wanted the fight. But James Tony was making a very big pitch to get in the UFC and have that classic boxer versus MMA fighter match. And that campaign rolled along and it continued for several weeks until Dana White said yes. Remember, they had that meeting. Uh, there was this like leaked footage that came out, security footage, all that stuff. And finally, the UFC booked James Tony versus Randy Couture, UFC 118, Boston, Mass, in August of 2010. And this was a fun fight, obviously, because of who James Tony was. This was no schmuck from the world of boxing. I mean, this is a guy who had some big wins, champion, etc. Against Randy Couture, uh, in many ways, the face of the UFC for a long time, captain. Uh, America, the the natural, all that stuff. So it was MMA versus boxing in Boston, Massachusetts. Prior to UFC 116 in July of 2010, the UFC brought James Tony to the event that was taking place in Las Vegas. You recall it was Brock Lesnar versus Shane Carwin. And they brought him out on the Friday, the day before the fight. And they had him do some interviews. We had a chance to interview James Tony. And it turned out to be one of the more bizarre interviews I have ever conducted. Uh, Tony was all over the place. And he really did a great job. You know, the fight didn't turn out to be all that great, but he did a great job of selling himself and in a kind of boxing classic way. I mean, they, they, they have to be their own promoters and take matters, uh, you know, uh, take matters into their, 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 their own hands and, and, and really push the fight because that's what they do in boxing. They are their own promoters. And he brought that world to the world of UFC. And that was very much on display when I spoke to him in July of 2010, right before UFC 116. A, a very bizarre, all-over-the-map interview, but honestly, it was, it, was, it was hilarious. It was a lot of fun to do. Here's my interview with James Tony from July 2010, and then we'll talk about it after it's all said and done. Check it out. Ariel Hawani in Las Vegas, Nevada, with the boxing champion turned UFC rookie, James Lights Out Tony, who faces Randy Couture this August, live on pay-per-view UFC 118. James, how are you? Good, how about so? I'm very good. I'm very excited to talk to you because I have a lot of questions for you. The first one is, why are you coming to MMA? What do you have to prove? You've done so much in your boxing career. Why'd you make this decision? I have to fight. And plus, you know, I can't get nobody to fight. Here I am, one of the running heavyweight champions. I can't get the other champions to fight me or anybody else for for most. So, you know, then when I heard that, that um, um, Dana White said MMA fighters are better than boxers, I had to put a hold to it. You know what I'm saying? So that's why we're here. Did he ever say that, though? Because I've looked through the archives, and, and, and Dana is a boxing fan. Yeah. I do not remember him ever specifically calling you out or calling no, boxers he, out. No, he didn't call me out, but he, he called boxers out. People, people were telling me this. And so when I, when I heard that, you know, he, I had to step up to the plate for boxing. I represent boxing. I represent old school. That's me. So give us the thought process here. You then decided to sort of like stalk him, right? I remember seeing you at uh, UFC 107 in Memphis. You showed up here in Las Vegas as well. Why did you decide to do this? And do you think if you didn't do that, he would have never signed you? Yeah, he would. He, you know, he, I wouldn't worry about getting signed. No, I don't care about getting signed by nobody. You know, I'm James Tony. James Tony. My thing is just, um, I, I heard he's Twitter people telling people on Twitter, if James Tony wants to see me here, come here. You know what I'm saying? So I just did what he, well, I just did what I, he didn't think I was going to do. And when I showed up, it kind of shocked him a little bit. And um, like I said, there's it, no animosity towards me and Dana White. No, no, no. I'm here. Good dude. I love him. I love, I love the UFC. 
I've always been a big fan of it. But you know, when you step over, step over the boundaries, since you're better than somebody else, I got a big problem with that. You know, so here I am to rectify it. Well, there's a video online of you guys having a meeting before you signed yeah. with the UFC, and you said some some terms that a lot of people uh, have used to raise red flags that you might not know a lot about MMA. You said something like a side check kick, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that really exists in terms of you know moves. Yeah. Well, so what's the deal? What do you, how much do you really know about the sport? I don't know nothing about the sport. Just tune in August 28th. Y'all find out how much I know about the sport. So, so I'll tell you. you're not going to tip your hand. Tune in August 28th. Pay you fifty nine ninety five or whatever you gotta pay for it. Tune in, and watch me, see how much I know. Who have you been training with? Who has helped you, um, you know, learn the game of MMA? I've got my dad, King Mo Masasi, um, a couple of the guys, uh, Antonio McKee. So I've been working with some good, some good fighters, some good athletes, some excellent people. Is it true that you tapped out King Mo? You asked King Mo. I he said it. What did it happen? I ain't gonna lie to you. What kind of submission maneuver was it? Reverse. It was a what? Red naked choke, baby. Really? So, so how? So obviously you know uh, jujitsu. You're know, wrestling. I don't know. I don't know jujitsu. I don't know wrestling. All that I know how to do is fight. Okay. Period. And how about when they offered you Randy Couture as an opponent? Was that the fight that you wanted, or did you rather uh, perhaps fight someone else? Hear this guy over here. Y'all hear this guy over here? Do I rather fight somebody else? Do I rather fight anybody? Man, look, I told, I told them when I first came to the UFC, I don't want to fight none of these bums, no other kind of fighters. I want the best. I wanted Brock Lesnar. I wanted this man right here, but he was sick. I didn't know that. So then, he, and then I said, how about Chuck, Chuck, um, Chuck, whatever his name is, Chuck Liddell. He was sitting there all scared and nervous. I won't go hit him there. You know what I'm saying? And then Simba, I mean, Kimba, whatever you call him, Kimba Slice. They ain't want that. So then... Which car came up? Chuck Liddell said, well, I'm, I'm going to walk with James Tony and baptize him to the UFC. Fine. Let's do it. Ain't no, ain't no problem. Now, fans out there don't like me, that's too goddamn bad. Because after August 28th, y'all really ain't going to like me because I'm going to destroy y'all so-called legend. A guy with 12 losses is a legend. Ain't that a bitch? Obviously, he is a legend. He's one of the greatest. Oh, 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 obviously, you're, 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 you're a Couture fan, right? No, I am not. You, you must be because you're I'm neutral. Well, he's in the UFC Hall of Fame. He's won multiple titles in different weight classes. See, that's why that's why y'all sport is so messed up. You Like boxing, NFL, NBA, you have to retire for five, four, five years to be considered a Hall of Fame. This guy has never retired. He's already in the Hall of Fame. Y'all got the But you know what? I'm going to clean it up. Well, I don't know if we want to get into a boxing versus MMA debate because... We can do that if you want to because you're going to lose, man. You're going to lose. You're going to lose, period. You're saying boxing is better than MMA. All day. I'm telling you that right now. What you want to do about it? I don't represent the sport. August 20th, find out. Thank you. But, James, one more question for you, if you don't mind. You are obviously facing Randy Couture. I guess you have no more. But I got questions about the game plan, James. This is the spot right here. This is where we're doing the interview, my man. Should we follow him? Let's follow him. Let's have a talk with James. Right over here, have a seat right next to him. I'm trying to be nice to you, but you... James, a good friend of yours, David Hayes, says you're delusional for fighting in MMA. Hayes, a mama's boy. He's gay. Okay. Um, is that, is that the fight that you're... That you, is, this, is it Randy, then David? It could be Randy, David, or the Bisco sisters. It don't, it don't even matter, man, because, you know, like I said, if David, if he do, he could have he fought me by now. We could have fought October 10th, but he decided to fight Farley Harrison. But you know what I'm saying? I've been, I'm not even thinking about him. You know, if, if he got to go out of the way to talk about James Tony, damn, something wrong with him.
Okay, my let's. Mind, my mind's on Randy Couture. He's a great fighter. I ain't got no, I ain't got no animosity towards Randy Couture. He's a great fighter in the sport. But come August twenty, it's just totally bitten. So I'm gonna kick his ass. Are you carrying around a doll of Randy Couture? I saw you holding something earlier. You want, you want, you want to take it home with you? No, no. I just want to see yeah. it because I'm not sure if it was Randy or if it was someone else. Oh, he mad. Oh, I can see, I, I can see he a Randy Couture friend. He upset about this shit. I'm, I'm very offended over the, uh, the potential of you messing with Randy Couture's doll. If it is Randy Couture's action figure, is it? Oh, look at that. Looks like he's got a purse and a dress. That is Randy. Now, this is, have you been, you know, practicing your, your maneuvers on this doll, or is this just to sort of make fun of him? Ooh, that's, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> man, okay, let, let's finish on this. Let's finish on this. Uh, Dana White has said that he does not know now why he signed you. And he actually uh, was on a Washington, D.C. radio show earlier this uh, week with Luke Thomas and said that um, he calls this, he considers this a freak show fight. What do you, what, what do you make of that? Man, the only freak show I got is between my legs. So whatever, man. So I, I don't even think about that, man. Whatever, he's, whatever, whatever. I don't know Dana White's on. He a good dude. Me, we cool. It doesn't confuse you? Confu what the f Like I'm blind. No, I, I mean, does it confuse you that he would sign you and then say something like that? Yeah, they don't confuse me for nothing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna handle my business. That's that's about all he can do. He, he can think what he wants to think. That's cool. Side show, side show, slide show, whatever you want to call it. Tune in, tune in. Everybody, August 28th. Get your get your bucks up. Go to go to hey, all your friends get together. Go to one house or stay in separate houses. Matter of fact, I prefer separate houses. Order your fifty nine ninety five. And you're not you're not in it for just one fight. You want to have an actual career in the UFC. Say, let me tell you something. Though. After I knock out Randy Couture, I'm gonna defend my heavyweight title, the real heavyweight boxing title, on October or November. Come back and fight in the UFC in January or February. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna do this. I'm a two sport athlete. The oldest man ever to do that. Any final words for MMA fans, boxing fans, James Tony fans, Randy Couture fans? Anything you want to say to them before we go? Yeah, have a good day. Thanks, James. Looking forward to it. UFC 118, the debut of James Lights Out Tony against Randy, the natural Couture. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm burning up right now. I should be home training, but, you know, I'm here with you guys. Love it. Holla at your boy. Lights Out, August 28th, Boston. Bean Town. Here we go. All day. Can't wait. Matter of fact, they might close Boston down for a day because everybody from Detroit coming up in that mud. Go scare y'all away. Roll, baby. We done? We done. Cut. There he was. James Tony. I miss that guy. It's funny. I had three encounters with James Tony. He was actually on this show once, so I guess four encounters. The first one was at UFC 108 when he crashed my post-fight interview with Dana White. This whole thing started kind of right then and there. They used that clip on the countdown show for the UFC 118 fight. The third, the second time was this interview that you just saw. The third time was right before the fight, on the Thursday before the fight in August in Boston at the media day at the Fan Expo. And uh, check that one out as well. It's on YouTube. Uh, James tried to take the mic away from me. And I told him that was the number one rule. You never give up the mic. And we had this little, I guess you could call it this tug of war over the mic. Eventually, I said, okay, fine, you can have the mic. And then he walked away. And the interesting thing about that was he made a, I mean, it looked, I, I always thought that he was kind of playing it up. I mean, he said some pretty hilarious things there, Simba and all that stuff. Freak show between his legs, everything. Um, it kind of looked like he was 
having fun and promoting, but he actually really got pissed. I mean, he was really upset afterwards and was yelling and telling me to leave. This is after the third interview, right before the fight. And it kind of got a little, I don't know, it got, it got a little, uh, it got a little hairy there for a second. I remember it. In fact, I think I was actually wearing this shirt during that interview. I think now that I remember it. Um, and then he was on the show some, sometime afterwards and, uh, he ended up losing that fight, of course, at UFC 118 in three minutes and 19 seconds. He lost via submission, arm triangle choke. Uh, it was not a great performance. And uh, I believe he kind of tapped in the air. He didn't really know how to tap. I love when he said, uh, when I asked him what kind of submission he uh, he got King Mo on, he said the the reverse. It was great. Everything about it was great. It was it was a freak show, but it was kind of fun. And uh, he, he brought a an interesting element to the UFC for a few months there. Never fought again in MMA. I believe he didn't even get all that much money from it because the IRS took it. That was the the story that came out. He was in some financial trouble, but he uh, he, he did steal the show. And I remember BJ Penn at the pre-fight press conference being so excited. BJ Penn fought Frankie Edgar, lost to Frankie Edgar uh, in that rematch, being so excited that James Tony was there and kind of selling James Tony as well that this was a big deal. It was an interesting time, and uh, the UFC got some heat for it, but they definitely got a lot of attention for it as well, and the UFC won, and James Tony came and went. So that was uh, this week's installment of Inside the Vault. Appreciate it very much. Appreciate you guys uh, enjoying it, and we'll keep doing it until you stop enjoying it. I- I'm having fun kind of reliving these interviews because I forgot a lot about them as well, and, uh, and, and, and I'm enjoying that some are being introduced to them for the first time. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the questions, comments, before I lose my voice completely this week. Do we have any of those, Mr. New York Rick? Nope, not this week. All right, great. <laughs> um, of course we do. What do we got? What do we got? I mean, how, it was a busy you, weekend. How are you feeling over there, first you of know, all? You know, it was okay. Uh, I'm okay. Uh, I feel the voice kind of... All of a sudden, you really... <clears throat> dying the voice me, really, right? The, real, the voice really went. Also, I, I feel like, if you've been noticing, I've been trying to, like, clean my nose. There's a lot of stuff that comes out of this nose. <laughs> There's a lot of mucus. It produces a lot. And I've been trying to do it very subtly. Like, I'm talking to these people. Like, ah. But rest assured, there's a lot. I actually just washed my hands. So there isn't as much <clears throat> mucus on it than there was not that long ago. But, uh, you know, this, this stuff happens. One day when you have kids, God willing, you'll understand that it is with pleasure that I carry this cold around. And don't worry, I'm not contagious. Although whoever deals with cleaning this up or talking into this <laughs> mic, I would... Uh, quarantine it after the fact. Thanks. Yeah, my pleasure, Will. <clears throat> oh, by the way, before we get going, I wanted to say this at the top of the show, and I forgot when I went into that little uh, diatribe about getting sick. Next week, we are off on Monday, but we're on on Tuesday. It is Labor Day here in North America, so uh, we will be honoring that. Uh, and how do you honor that? Well, you don't work. And uh, we'll be back on Tuesday, the very next day, same time, 1 o'clock Eastern time, 10 a.m. Pacific, 5 BST. I get very confused about the GMT and the BST, but I'm pretty sure it's 5 BST, and that's what most of the U.K. and England and uh, that part of Europe where most of our fans are. So uh, we don't have a show on Monday right after UFC 177, but we're back the very next day, same time, same place, all that good stuff. Put in okay. your calendars. Put in your calendar. First question about Habib Nurmagomedov. Yes. Did Dos Anjos' knockout on Henderson make Habib Nurmagomedov the number one contender in the UFC lightweight division? Well, again, as I said earlier, I think timing 
plays a factor in all of this. But yeah, I mean, he beat Dos Anjos rather convincingly. Now I could see them maybe doing Cerrone versus or Cerrone Alvarez winner versus Nurmagomedov if the timing works out. But this is where it gets kind of weird. Remember, Dos Anjos beat Cerrone a year ago in Indianapolis. So I could see a weird scenario transpiring where Cerrone beats Alvarez and then he might be the number one contender. We've already forgotten about the Dos Anjos fight, which kind of speaks to the fact that Dos Anjos, for the most part, has been somewhat under the radar. He doesn't have as many fans as Cerrone. He doesn't market himself as well, et cetera, et cetera. But that could happen. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about that. I bet you, and I haven't checked this out, I bet you the UFC rankings have Cerrone over Dos Anjos. Let's see. Let's see. There you go. Cerrone four, Dos Anjos five. How is that possible? Fight happened a year ago. How is that possible? Explain that to me. Do you think he should be above him? I don't, but I can see how it would happen is the activity level. Cerrone's been staying busy and earning his wins. So since that fight, damn, he has been busy. Cerrone's 4-0 since that fight. I mean, that, that's, that's, it has to be a combination. The rankings have to be a combination yeah. of who's staying busy and who's winning. Now, I would probably keep Dos Anjos ahead of him because of what you said. He has a, a, a win over him, um, and there's nothing more, uh, th- there's no more proof needed than that uh, to see who should be ranked higher. But um, in terms of who gets a title shot, I think that the activity is much more relevant in that case. And I think that um, it's unfortunate that, that that matters so much, but it has to. It's the only way because these belts have to get defended, uh, and especially right now where some of them are on the shelf for a while. So Dos Anjos is 2-1, and one, Cerrone's 4-0. Oh. Um, I still think that he has a win over him, and the only loss was to Nurmagomedov in that stretch. But, but yeah. also Cerrone's a sell- more sellable person. Yeah. Um, in terms of title shots, I think Cerrone's activity and his personality make it much easier to make a case for him. But in terms of ranking, I would definitely have Dos Anjos ahead of Cerrone. Let's just say we don't know what's going on with Nurmagomedov. If Alvarez beats Cerrone, then I would do Alvarez, Dos Anjos, number one contender. Maybe around the same time, like maybe January, around the same time the title fight so they can all coincide. But Nurmagomedov is the X factor there. I could be wrong, but isn't he scheduled to come back in around January? He is. I mean, but, you know. No, certainly. I I know that a million things could happen between now and then. But I think that is the time frame. Um, that we were given back back when he was got hurt. So. Yeah, it's an interesting time, no doubt. And then you also have, you know, TJ Grant, very close to coming back in the mix. I mean, obviously he's not going to get an immediate title shot, but maybe it's Grant versus Dos Anjos. Um, That's a great fight. Yeah, so there, there are a lot of options. Dos Anjos winning definitely open thing, opens things up because Benson, you know, he had lost to Pettis twice, and he was kind of in that weird spot where you don't want to put him necessarily against the top contender because you don't want to knock him off because you're not going to give him another title shot. And now he lost, creating a new contender. So it really opens things up at 155. Okay, our next question about the UFC removing the judge at Fight Night 48. What is your take on the fact that the promoting organization did that mid-event? The UFC acted as its own commission, but should they maybe have not done that, knowing that the conflict of interest between the promotion and the commissioning organization? On the other hand, man, the grammar on this is making it tough. Uh, Basically, what do you think about removing the judge at Fight Night 48? 
Well, let's be clear. The UFC, when they act as their own governing body, their own commission, that's a conflict of interest right off the bat, if you want to call it that. Because I have been saying that I think sometimes the UFC should just act as their own commission because they they blame others. They blame the government or they say, oh, Nevada or California, why do they do this, that? Why do they put these judges or these referees? Well, take matters into your own hands. Of course, in North America, you can't do that. That's the law. You have to abide by the commissions and do what they say and uh, play by their rules. Now, when they go overseas and there are no commissions, just to be clear, because it seems like people still don't understand this. I was getting questions about this after Dana said it on Saturday. The UFC picks the judges. The UFC picks the referees. They do the drug testing. They act as their own commission. They have to do that. And they have very good people in charge. I mean, Mark Ratner, who is the VP of Regulatory Affairs for the UFC, ran the Nevada Athletic Commission for a very long time. He was one of the most powerful people in combat sports, and he still is to a degree. So they, they, they don't have just bums doing this. They have people who have a history and experience doing this and are very capable of doing so. Now, when you get... So, so I have really no problem with that, <clears throat> and I commend them for doing it as kosher as they can. And they catch people. They catch people all the time as far as drug testing is concerned, and they seem to put the best possible people. You know, when they're overseas, they'll put people from England, etc. there. <clears throat> but when you do it mid-show, after a string of bad decisions, uh, the first two fights on Saturday morning were close fights and they ended in questionable decisions. And Dana White afterwards announced that he had removed one of the judges, a guy by the name of Howard Hughes, um, from his duties, relieved him of his duties. It's a little strange when it's that direct. You know, like, you like to think that Ratner, Mike Mersch, the people in that office, that, 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 that department for the UFC are doing this, and they're not going to Dana and saying, okay, who do you want to charge? I mean, surely he can have his, his say, and they're not going to put a Mazagati in there when they don't like him. That's obvious. But the... The idea, the vision of Dana going, hey, you, you're gone, which is obviously not exactly how it happened, but it was kind of simplified into that occurrence, is a little strange. It does seem like, all right, where do you draw the line? I think there is a line. I don't think he would cross the line. I don't think many people would disagree that those decisions were completely out of whack. But you'd like to maybe think, or maybe they should have phrased it as, you know, the people in charge, the the regulators that we have in charge from our own company decided that this guy was not, you know, fit to, to judge. Now, why do they put him there in the first place? <clears throat> That's a different question for a different day. But it, it, it comes off as a little weird when you're doing it directly. So, you know, I, I think they're, 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 there's no good answer here because they, they, they should have removed him, but the fact that they removed him mid-show, it opens up a lot of questions. It, it opens up a huge can of worms and maybe it's not worth it. I agree with you that politically it looks a little weird, but why should we delay improving judging decisions? Why, why no, not take I, him I out just, right away? I, why not? I, I would have just, I think the way it was worded was maybe a little wrong. Like if they would have said, you know, Mark Ratner, who wasn't there, uh, I believe Mike Mersh was there. I definitely know Mark, Mark Ratner wasn't there. He was in Tulsa. But if they would have said, you know what, you know, the people who are in charge of this came and talk to me, and we all agreed. And let's be honest, I mean, no one disagreed that those were bad decisions. So everyone at home, the armchair quarterbacks, whatever, would agree those were bad decisions. But they could have said, all right, we agreed that, you know, this was 
this was not the right guy to be doing but, this. I mean, this is a case of that. So we relieved him of his duties. That's fine. But when it sounds like, all right, you get out of here, go have some popcorn, you're done, when you're like pulling the strings that way, it just opens up a lot of questions. I commend but, them for, for doing that. I commend them. But the way it was presented opens up a lot of questions. Even you know if what I mean? that's the case, good. Even if that is the case, even if Dana White walked over, you know, talked to nobody about it and said, you, you're done, good. He was making terrible decisions. We should have that. I have no problem with the decision. Um, However it's presented, whoever did it, whoever made the call, who cares? As long as we get, as long as the judging is is improved, but good. This is what happens. I agree. The end result was the right result. But what happens is then... It leads. I, I just saw Kevin Iola. I didn't read the article yet, but the headline of the article is why Dana White's latest power play should be cause for concern. So what it does is it leads to criticism. Like, all right, what are you doing behind it? Okay, you're, well, you're, until the, the, you're not being policed. You're not being judged. What else are you doing? If there's evidence of something else happening, <clears throat> then fine. Then you can make that case. I think but the UFC is- has shown that when they do go overseas and they act as the commission... They act on the up and up. I have no I issues. I've never had an issue with that. Really, I haven't. And, and I've been one of the guys who've said they should do it more often than not. But when it's presented like that, it just leads, that's all I'm saying. You, you get what I'm saying? I'm it's not, I'm it's saying, opening the door for questions. Yes, that's all. But <clears throat> I think that why was he there the, in the first place? Opening the door for questions is much more is much pref, is preferable to having bad judging. Just in, in, no matter how it happened, no matter how they present it, no matter what the circumstances. This is judging is a huge problem, much huger than any speculation um, that maybe uh, can arise from this about, oh, what is the UFC doing when they travel overseas? Judging is much more uh, of a problem than any speculation that can come out. These people who are earning wins in the UFC are getting robbed of wins. It's an important thing. These fighters put everything on the line. And no matter how it happens, who does it, Dana White makes a decision, whoever makes a decision. As soon as they can fix that, this is the best case scenario for me. I think that that was, however it came, however it comes off, however yeah. it came off, it's great. I would love to see more of it, Combat's but obviously that can't happen uh, right. in the U.S. Yeah, or or Canada. Combat or, sports yeah. has a history of, you know, um, accusations, foul play. Uh, this has been happening for years and years. People have accused boxing promoters, et cetera, et cetera. So everyone jumps on these kind of stories. I, I don't think there's ever been a serious accusation that the UFC was doing anything um, improper, not kosher, anything, you know, like anything that could be deemed illegal, uh, fixing fire. I mean, no one has really come out. I mean, think about it. No one has ever yeah. come out and even thrown out a crazy accusation like that, you know, of fixing fights, all that stuff. So I truly believe that uh, they have the best interest in mind. I just think sometimes, you know, look, it's your product. It's your fights. Why not control your own destiny? I, I think some, uh, to a degree the, the whole system is out of whack. You know, the whole system of athletic and, and you, you know why it's in place to stop. That's why the Muhammad Ali Act is in place in boxing. Um, and it would be great if there are, there are more things like that in MMA. It's still a young sport. You know why these things are in place, but sometimes the best people aren't uh, put in place to make the right kind of decisions for the, for, the, for the good of the sport. So when the UFC is in charge, you'd like to think they have the best people out there. The question to me is that I'd like to ask, why was he there in the first place? Who decided this guy, if he didn't know what he was doing, who decided that this was the right guy? And should they do a better job of picking their guys? Because I think sometimes there are some weird I mean, look, they've, they've, they've sent out some guys with questionable past yeah. to these events. So are they doing, or is it just that the, the talent pool 
isn't that rich. You I'm know? sure it's a combination. Yeah. But the fact that there was a something in place where Dana or whoever else could just remove them instantly, that, you know. I wonder that's, what that's that conversation was like. like. What was the chain of events? Like, was it just Dana being like, hey, you, get out of here? Or did he tell someone? I mean, gosh. Uh, yeah, I would love to know the real story. And did the guy stick around and have popcorn? <laughs> uh, next question. Bisbing versus Rocco. Bisbing went ahead and called out Luke Rockhold after his win. Would you rather see, I think you actually already weighed in on this, Rockhold fight Bisbing or Machida? If they go ahead and make the Machida versus Rockhold fight, who does Bisbing get? It would be a huge mistake if they do Machida versus Rockhold. There is just too much there. It's, it's rare when you get those fights that so many people are into. Uh, there's a lot of emotion involved, passion involved. You have to make that fight. You, you agree, right? Certainly. You have I, to. I want to see it. And, and it makes sense, too. It makes perfect sense. A lot of people were were ready to bury Bisbing. You know, he was done after he lost to Tim Kennedy. He looked fantastic, and this is not an unreasonable fight to make. Not at all. Uh, Bisping versus Rockhold. There's real heat. Uh, Bisping has proven um, that he's still able to compete with this caliber of fighter, um, and I think that there's there's no alternative to that fight. You have to make that fight. And now, if I'm Rockhold, I take the Machida fight and run away with it. Really? Yeah, it does so much more for him. I don't know because there, I still think that a fight put on that kind of pedestal and it will, it will receive so much more attention. It, it has already received a lot of attention, more so than the Kung Lee. I mean, you, if you didn't know better, you'd think that Rockhold and Bisping were fighting that weekend. <laughs> so if he wins that fight with all that attention and they'll surely put it in a good spot, and I have no doubt they do the same with Machida, but with that kind of emotion and a payoff, if he does win in a round and him talking about the bet and all that stuff, I almost think that it gives him more momentum than a win over Machida. A win over Machida is great. It's a major feather in your cap. I think, But all that, 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 that rivalry will lead to a bigger payoff, in my opinion. I think, it, I think the, the platform is important, but I think that Machida's performance against Weidman really raised his stock in a lot of people's eyes. Mm. Um, and I think that a win over Machida is, is looked at as more of you've passed the test and you're ready for a title shot, then a win over Bisping is it at this point. Now, before the loss to Kennedy, I would have said the opposite. Uh, But I think that the Machida uh, fight with uh, Weidman was was a big step toward that, and I think that uh, a win over Machida means a little bit more right now. And that's why, if I was Rockhold, I would probably fight Machida. Although Bisping's stock is up. uh, Certainly. You don't have to argue with me. Remember, on the beat, I was saying Bisping's gonna win Bisbing's fine nothing's gonna happen did you in fact say he was gonna win yeah he did okay Uh, I mean he was he was a reasonable favorite coming into the fight and and rightfully so Mm -hmm. um but yeah Bis Bis this it's the fight to make Bisbing versus Rockhold next question Tyron Woodley where does he go from here he just blasted a stun gun and made him seem like a brush off the shoulder after coming off a total stinker bouncing back with a performance like that has to be good for his career why does where does tywin tyron woodley go from here after delivering a great falcon punch knockout win for himself and the fans on a top 10 opponent no less i gotta go with matt brown and again like i said earlier i know he's coming off a loss but prior to that he was on a Uh, on a very long winning streak. Woodley was coming off a loss. Those rules don't always apply. Um, If you look at the rankings, you look who's out there, and you look at the timing, they're they're both fighting at around the same time. To me, makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, that's a good fight. I mean... He's not going to take the Lombard fight. They're teammates right now. They're only going to fight for the the belt. Look at the rankings. It makes makes all the sense. Yeah. Uh, Our next question about Asian (laughs) fighters uh, slash feeder league. 
what is the deal with 90% of the Asian fighters <laughs> they put on these cards being so awful? You run into the odd one with some skill, but for the most part, they don't look so great. Should the UFC be looking into setting up a feeder league in China so they don't seemingly have to pick these guys up off the streets? Well, those cards, to a degree, are a feeder league. You know, like, it felt like I was watching, like, the amateur portion of the card, and then I got into the pro portion when we got to Woodley. I mean, the, 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 the disparity in the talent was just amazing, going from the first eight fights to the last two fights. I mean, you know, you have to understand that MMA in that corner of the world is not as advanced as it is over here. I mean, it's really not. I mean, it's probably 10, 15 years behind. It's just starting out. And there are guys going over there. There are, there are, there are gyms opening up. But it really hasn't evolved like it has here just yet. So they're going to seem, behind the curve, they're, they're going to seem like they're not as good. Uh, this is part of the UFC's kind of one-step-back two steps forward approach where they're going to put on these cards and have these local guys. I mean, I was hearing from people that were watching some of those fights. Uh, I can't remember which one in particular, but there were two guys who were very popular in China. And I think it was on Twitter. Someone was telling me that he was in a bar in Hong Kong. Where, where did I read that? I forget now. Bar in Hong Kong. And the people were going absolutely wild for this fight. It meant nothing to us here. Can't even remember what the fight was. And it was just a huge deal there. I think there was a movie hero star guy involved, whatever. It, it, it's, it's just different. They have to pick different talent, market it different, et cetera, et cetera. Even the way they do those Ultimate Fighter shows, it's just different than it is here. So it'll take some time, but you have to think that if they are committed to it, which they do seem to be, if you listen to Dana White in the post-fight press conference, it's going to pay off because there are so many people living in that corner of the world. Um, it is so influential. I mean, if it does pay off, there's a reason why Pacquiao is fighting over there. There's a lot of money involved, and uh, they're, they're going to invest in it. So we'll see what happens. All they need is one big name to come out and, 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 and climb through the ranks, a la Conor McGregor. This would be 10,000 times bigger, given how many people live over there. All they need is one diamond in the rough, and then they're on their way. But do they? I was going to ask this question, but I think this, your anecdote actually kind of answered this a little bit. But... Shouldn't they be putting on cards with higher level of, of competition this in is, those in those territories that are not necessarily native to, to, to the to the area? No, because it's a big deal. Those guys are big names over there. You know, are they? That's what that. No, they are. They are. Well, yes. I guess your yeah. anecdote really answered my question because you said those people were going wild for you know some guy that we may not have been interested in or, or yeah. had heard of before. I think they're um, actually booking it the right way. You yeah. got to put like two or three, four big names at the top, like two fights, and then the rest, you know, you put these guys. You can't bring those guys to Vegas. You can't bring those guys to you no. Know, but to Canada. maybe those guys aren't in the UFC then. But how else do you cultivate them? You, you start a whole other you start, promotion? You start opening gyms there and start developing but, talent that doesn't necessarily have to be on a UFC card at, at the start, at the jump. Yeah, but then then you're starting to do something completely different. Now you're starting to like have a minor league system where now you put these fights on well, Fight Pass. Well, that's the same thing? No, but now it's still UFC and you have these guys fight somewhat frequently and it's on Fight Pass, so it's not exposed to the world. They mean a lot to the market. It's, uh, it's capped off with a great main event, in this case, a great co-main event as well. And, you know, look, that, that arena looked packed. I don't know what the ticket sales were, um, how much of it was papered or whatnot, but they seemed behind it. I mean, no one over there, the hardcore fan, and, you know, we have some that live over there that talk to us, but 
the hardcore fan will know this isn't UFC caliber, and that term has changed immensely over the years. It's not the same. Uh, the casual fan will be like, oh, I know these guys. The, you know, I may have heard of them. They're, they come from this background, or, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they'll be more inclined to watch than if it was, you know, some guy from Tulsa versus some guy from, you know, Saskatchewan. Yep. Uh, next question. Standout performance of the weekend for me was Clay Collard. Uh, he puts in parentheses, shade of, shades of Nick Diaz. What did you guys think, and who was your standout performance? Man, uh, I mean, Ben Saunders getting the Oma Plata. That was great. Jordan Meehan uh, with a, a very nice win over a veteran, again, in the midst of everything happening outside of the cage. Uh, I mean, it's hard to go above Rafael Dos Anjos for getting a win over Benson Henderson like that, stopping him. Uh, Bisping turning back the clock. Woodley. There are a lot that come to mind. I don't know if I could pick one. There were a ton of great I don't know if I go with Clay Collard, to be honest. No. It's not the one that comes to mind. No. No, right? Not, not for me either. I thought, you know, it was great. Palace um, ladies getting back. I mean, to stop Francis Carmon is very tough. Yeah, there were a lot of winners that, that you could point to. Um, I, I, if for me, it's Bisping just because I've got the sense that people were ready to yeah. kind of bury him. Yeah. Um, but Dos, it's you can't underrate Dos Anjos' win. Uh, By that, the way, I need to talk to Talos Ladies because he keeps coming out the Three Little Birds by Bob Marley, and that might be my favorite song. Now, I think I said on this show that that would be my walkout song, and I played for my kids all the time. My older son can actually sing it now, and I just love the fact that he comes out to that song. I don't know what it is, but it makes me love him. It makes me feel like he is my favorite fighter. <laughs> he does have to cut his hair, though. It's getting to be a little bit like he's hanging on, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, come on. I'm just saying. Speaking of hair. Well, your hair. Oh, my gosh. Um, next question. Who are you guys picking in the Dillashaw Barrow rematch? Now that we've seen Ariel's now famous quote a gazillion times in the UFC 177 commercial, who are you? Who do you have in the rematch? How about that when they zoom in on my mouth? It's a little sexual, isn't it? Like it's a real zoom in. So, who do you have in the? Uh... Um, hmm. You know what? I'm gonna go with Dillashaw. I think this might be a little too. Did you see the UFC 177 countdown show? You didn't, right? I did not. Some great footage. I don't know how they got this, but some great footage of Burrell post UFC 173. Him at the airport, uh, like soaking it all up, um, soaking his sorrows. Him back in Brazil. I mean, really great stuff. I don't know how they got this, but it was really great. Um, I think it might be a little too soon. And I, I'm not saying from a promotional standpoint. I'm just saying mentally and all that, getting, getting ready for the fight. I mean, we saw this with JDS and Kane, and JDS had a fight in between. Sometimes you need some time to figure mm. things out. Uh, all that being said, Dillashaw at home. Dillashaw, as good as he looked the first time out. I don't think he got lucky. Uh, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. I'm jumping off the brow <laughs> bandwagon, jumping on Dillashaw. I'm not, I'm not counting what was out the this time. Quote, whatever the quote was, can you just insert Dillashaw's name uh, instead of Barrow's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he'll leave champion or whatever it was. Um, Penn and Burrell will be champ or some, yeah. some crap like that. Um, I don't, I don't know think why it, I don't think it's a fair comparison for Junior Dos Santos and Kane. I think that what this is, what that fight or that trilogy proved was that uh, Kane Velasquez was better and he was hurt in the first fight. That's that was my impression going into the second fight, and I think that that was made pretty clear um, by the by the two butt whoopings. Um, whereas and then more I think, second going into third. I thought that might have been a little too soon. Oh, you just okay, fair enough, but I think that in this case, uh, this w this wasn't a, a situation where Dillashaw 
uh, Burrell was hurt and Dillashaw shocked him or anything like that. I think that we just saw the the coronation of of TJ Dillashaw, and I would be I would be surprised if we saw. I think it will be more competitive, but I would be surprised if we saw a, a beatdown um, from Barrow the way that Cain Velasquez kind of reversed that. I'd be, I'd be well, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying sometimes when you get a beatdown or a shocking defeat, you need some time to go out there, gain your confidence back, you know, get a couple wins under your belt, and then say, all right, now I'm ready. To do it right away might be a disservice to you. So I haven't even thought about this for a second, but have there been even cases like that? Did that what? come to mind immediately where a guy got completely obliterated and then in the next fight he was ready to come back and and, and won beat, and and beat the uh the guy who beat him previously <sighs> now let me try and think about it yeah because gsp had a fight in between after losing to sarah there's got to be some can't think now in the third hour but. yeah i'm i'm struggling too That'd be something interesting to look at. But um, I'm, I'm picking Dillashaw. I think you're picking Dillashaw as well. Picking Dillashaw. Uh, this next question, Ariel, what are your thoughts on fighters who have lengthy win streaks taking fights on very short notice? Do you get the vibe that the promotion somewhat bullies them into a corner uh, from a spotlight perspective of doing it or facing the consequences? Uh, with them taking a fight on 7 to 10 days notice as a favor for the promotion is it smart to risk their rank that they busted their ass to earn uh, in my opinion i don't feel comfortable the way the promotion puts these blindside hits on the fighters uh because when they do turn them down they sure seem to let the media know about it well first of all i don't think it really happens all that often where a guy on a really long winning streak who's at you know the the top of the weight class whatever gets a fight on seven ten days notice it happens you know two weeks three weeks this has happened before but seven to ten days seems rather short and if a guy does get a, a, a shot on seven to ten days notice it's usually a guy making his debut um all that being said i do know what you mean i am i am almost more offended by fans who say things like oh put this guy in like this guy gets hurt put this guy in like it's rock'em sock'em robots really i mean come on the 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 way the fans view the fighter sometimes is is a little strange like these guys need to prepare you know there's so much that goes into it sometimes they don't even consider that he's coming like i remember something happened and everyone's like put lombard in there and lombard just pulled out of a fight uh the kim fight so it, there is this rock'em sock'em robot approach to things and it's unfortunate that sometimes a guy will be on a roll i mean a perfect example is jordan Meehan. jordan Meehan looked so good in his ufc debut he beat dan miller you know, he, he was he was he was rolling and then he got a quick turnaround a month later against Matt Brown, who was streaking, got beat up, put on the sidelines for a year. And Mean was actually talking after the fact. I wonder if this is where this this question comes from. Mean was actually talking after the fact that he felt like that was he wouldn't do that kind of thing again. He has to be a little smarter now that he's, you know, in a good spot in the UFC. So hindsight is always twenty twenty. Sometimes you could take a fight on short notice. Remember Chris Lehman coming off a big win against Aaron Simpson, comes back two weeks later and beats Akiyama. Sometimes it can work in, in, in your favor and you continue to, to roll along, and other times it could be a mistake. Again, hindsight 2020. Um, I don't think the UFC bullies guys into doing it. You know, some, you know, they offer you the fight and maybe there are repercussions for turning down a fight or whatever, but uh, I've yet to hear from a fighter who said, you know, the UFC said to them, you got to take this fight or else. You know, there's kind of maybe some some heat there. They give you the cold shoulder, but I don't necessarily think they bully them into doing it. Um, that's just that's just a, a, a product of this game. You have to say no. 
And look, you know, there are guys, uh, Machida said no, remember, um, they wanted him to fight Rashad on short notice, and Dana said that famous line, he wanted Anderson Silva money, they went with Tito Ortiz. Um, remember there was a time where Shogun turned down Glover Teixeira, and Dana was down on him, and the point is, all is forgotten, everyone's friends again, they promote you, and the next time around, you're the best fighter in the world. So in the moment, they may not be happy, but they'll find someone else. So I think you have to do what's best for yourself. If you feel like you take the fight, take the fight. If you don't, say no, and they're not going to cut you. You're coming off a win. They might put you in a tough fight, tougher maybe. Next time around, you win. All is forgotten. They promote you. I mean, how many cases of guys turning down fights in the moment? It's like this big crisis, and the next time they fight, it's all forgotten, and everyone's friends again. So I would not feel bullied or any pressure to take these fights. Uh, we have a caller. Do you want to do the caller oh, sure. first or you want to do the Twitter questions? Oh, let's take a break. Let's take a call. All right. Let's talk to Spencer. Hello, Spencer. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just had a quick question. Where are you from, by the way? If... Oh, I'm from Toronto. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just wondering if you had any interest in... Um, I, don't know, I know how you do like the walk-arounds with all the fighters and stuff like that, but would you ever be interested in doing... Uh, like some sort of like short segment where you'd go to like different gyms and train like uh, let's say you went to like Greg Jackson's gym for a day and like you had like John Jones teaching you certain techniques and stuff like that or um, mm. you know John Crouch and like all these other great trainers would you ever be interested in something like that because that'd be really cool. Well, I appreciate that. I think uh, it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall. I don't like the idea of me training with them. I feel like the lines get blurred. It becomes a little too much about me, and that might surprise some who think that it is all about me. It's, I, I truly don't try to make it that way. Of course, you're doing a show or you're interviewing people. You're going you're gonna to be involved, but I don't like the idea of come watch Greg Jackson or John Jones or John Crouch train me. Um, I'd rather see Greg Jackson train John Jones. I'd rather see Greg Jackson train Michelle Watterson, John Crouch train Benson Henderson, well, I feel you get like my the point. The appeal for the listeners would more come from like I'm an average you know, guy. a lot of people are every day and they yeah. don't really train. And it's not so much like for they want to go see Ariel Hawani. They want to see someone who's maybe coming into it on the same thing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? A lot of people, including myself, respect the way you cover the sport, but it'd be cool to see it from more of a technical, like a technique perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of like, uh, I don't know. Would you like to see me fight? Would you like to see this culminate in my MMA debut? How about that? <laughs> well, I don't want to see you get hurt. I just want to see... Uh, well, I appreciate that. I don't know, like someone break down a leg kick with you or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be... Um, I don't know how to explain it. But, no, uh, I get your point. I, I mean, it's a little different because I know in my interviews but I talk a lot... Henry Gracie, how he's explaining yeah. to you at the yeah. uh, post-fight and yeah. he was like, trying to explain to you about the technique side of things, exactly what he said. I get it. Um, a lot of my interviews sometimes revolve around the stories and things like that, which I think are very important and sometimes we don't... We don't really uh, put the spotlight on the technique, although with Ben Ben Saunders earlier, I don't know if you heard that, he was kind of explaining what he was doing. So I get what you're saying. There, Trust me, there's so much I wish I could do. So, I mean, I have one idea in particular that I would love to uh, to execute. It's just tough with all the shows and these shows and everything else that I do. It's hard to remove yourself from the daily event schedule, you know, or the weekly event schedule where you can do some of that other fun stuff. But when it's all said and done, I hope to do it all. And that's a great idea. I'll definitely take it into account. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. Hey, take care. All right. Let's go back to the questions now. Okay. Our first one from Twitter. 
the Benson Henderson stoppage early or no? Okay. Um, you know, I watched it like a thousand times, and that is interesting to note because the referee is watching it just once in real time, very real time. I mean, up close and personal. He doesn't have that benefit. So you have to remember that when you start scrutinizing these calls. Um, originally, I thought it was good. I still think it was good. Do I think it was a tad early? Yes. Can I live with it? Do I think it was some kind of robbery or a, a really bad call like maybe Burrell Faber 2? Absolutely not. I think he was knocked out. I mean, you saw what happened. Do I think maybe a guy like Benson can recover from that, that he has shown that he can, that you know that that you might want to give him the benefit of the doubt for just a second or two, absolutely. But I can hate on a guy like John McCarthy, who is the best of the best. He's a legend. He knows way more about this sport than I do, especially refereeing. So I, I really have a hard time criticizing him on a call that close. I mean, if it's a complete blown call, then it's obvious. But call that close, I side with him. And I'd like to side with a referee erring on the side of caution um, and, and fighter safety and all that. I mean, that's his job. So I can live with it. Do I think it was a tad close, a tad, you know, early? Yeah, but I, I could totally live with it. I thought it was the right call too. Yeah. Um, this one wasn't on Twitter, but I, I was wondering if you had a thought on this. I saw a lot of people asking about this. Did you see the Garcia and Magni fight? Yes. Did you, were you okay with that? Or did you find it even controversial in the least bit? Or No. Why did you? I thought you could make a case for Garcia winning that fight. I, I thought it was you, you could, could make, make a, case a case for him I, winning the last two rounds. I didn't think it was a huge. I mean, obviously the people on Twitter seemed to think it was it was a big controversial really? um, decision. Yeah, maybe by then as far my, as my Twitter, uh, everything was uh, blurring for me. Um, but I mean, obviously the the injury, his leg injury, was yeah. played a big factor. I thought Magny, Magny, by the way, what a story this guy. I, mean, I thought he was going to get cut from the UFC. He lost a couple in a row. Now the 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 quickest to get four wins in a calendar year in UFC history really turned things around. I mean, he's not fighting, you know, the the cream of the crop. But Garcia is a very good fighter. And a lot of Garcia is uh, very dangerous. Yeah, and four fights in the UFC is four fights in the UFC. <laughs> now four wins, yeah. Um, you know, we were making the case so that every fight in the UFC is not the same as it used to be. But I think that the opponents he was facing yeah. um, are four credible UFC wins. Wait, so you thought Garcia won? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough to say. I, I've only watched it once. Um, but I think that Garcia definitely... It was definitely closer than 30-27. It was definitely closer oh, than yeah, that. Yeah. There were rounds where he took Magny down and had control, and Magny didn't do much of anything else. Um not that you should be able to win by um, just taking down your opponent and controlling them if you're not trying to do damage. But I think in that case, it, it almost had to be scored for Garcia. So I think you could make a reasonable case. But I just wanted to know your thoughts on that because on my, on my timeline, at least, it seemed like a lot of people were upset about that one, just as I saw a lot of stuff about the Benson-Henderson uh, Yeah, but stoppage. the people that you follow or who follow you, I mean, they're losers. What do they know? <laughs> uh, unfollowing Ariel Hawani yes. later. Um, next question. Where does Dos Andros fit in the lightweight title picture? We kind of talked about yeah. this a little bit earlier. Um, I mean, he's there. I think he's – I talked to his manager yesterday, and he said that they would be interested in the Eddie Alvarez fight if he won. Of course, they're not interested in Cerrone because sure. Cerrone uh, lost him already. But, you know, it's, it's weird. The whole thing is weird, man. If Cerrone wins and Khabib comes back, you have, like, this weird triangle. Like, it's like what happened in the light heavyweight division when – Noguera lost to Phil Davis, who 
lost to Rashad Evans, who beat Nogueira. It's like since no, it's since Pettis took the belt, it's been just a roller coaster. Well, that's in the that worst division. part about it. It's just kind of stalled. You know, I, I really hope that he's able to fight on December sixth and get right back into it because the queue has really. It's really stalled. I mean, the division. And it's not even that. It's like when you get to the top, then there's still time for you to fall back to the bottom. It's almost like you can't really ascend to the top without that curve coming and you fall right back to the bottom. It's hard to stay on top uh, because we don't know when that title is actually going to be defended. You might be at the wrong, you might be peaking at the wrong time. Like Dos Anjos, he maybe never gets a title shot because. The, the belt's not going to be de- defended for another yeah. seven months, eight months, a year. Who knows? Um, this is why I don't want champions coaching tough anymore. It can't yeah. happen. So yeah. what you're saying is he peaked too early and will struggle to stay on top. What? Yes. Words. Did I say yeah. that? Sexually. I know, but did I actually say it no, like no, that? No, I said that. Oh, okay, I, said okay, that. Okay, I, right. I said that. I said that. I said that. By the way, uh, Michael Carroll. The brilliant mind flipped the script, tells me that the total strikes in the Magny versus Garcia fight, 130 to 27 for Magny. Yeah, I, I appreciate Michael Carroll. I love, I love the numbers. I love the statistics. But that does not tell the story of a fight. Also, Irrelevant Anth, who's now changed his name one more time, who you know I think is the most brilliant mind associated with MMA, <laughs> says Manny, Magny Garcia wasn't a huge robbery at all. L-O-L. It wasn't. I agree with him. I think, think I think it was, it was a close one? fight. I okay. think it was a close fight. Right. Um, not a robbery by any means. You can't, you can't be upset with the Garcia loss if you're on that side um, by calling it a robbery or anything like that. It was just a close fight that, you know, a lot of people scored one way or the other. Um, but, yeah, the, I mean, the striking statistics are certainly going to be in his favor. Um, Garcia was on one leg, but he was also taking down Magni almost at will uh, at all of round two and early in round three. Um, so that doesn't tell the whole story. You're just the Alex Garcia apologist. I, maybe. I do like <laughs> Alex Garcia, but I'm also very impressed by Magny's run uh, this year. It's been incredible. Yeah. Uh, this is our final Twitter question. Okay. Ariel, is there a story about a fighter in the UFC that you really have not wanted to publish or cover? If so, what story? Now, I'm not sure I understand the question. Like, I guess it's, it's something that you had a concept for and and, you know, thought it was a great idea and then eventually it turned out to not be such a great story that you wanted to to pursue or even let's talk we could also talk about the mainstream you disagreed with well this is this is the way i took the question there's two ways i took i take the question is there a story like oh man leave me in that bumps me out like i have to cover it but i don't want to cover it yep or is there a story that i have that i have yet to make public I think, it's, myself. I think it's leaning more toward the first. I think your initial instinct was the right one. Like something that maybe you just, just bummed you out. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, I was bummed by the Lee Meehan thing. You know, he's always been uh, very nice, great Canadian. Um, and, you know, I put out this tweet that I received some heat for. And gosh damn it, I'm getting really sick of Twitter, I got to say. <laughs> uh, it's really getting on my damn nerves. But uh, Well, you follow a bunch of losers. I do follow. No, it's not just that. I got to tell you, the level of idiocy on Twitter these days is at an all-time high. And I wonder if it's like this in all the other sports. 
but the level of idiots, just pure losers. And, I, and well, I, I, I've come to this conclusion, by the way. Trolls, as you want to call them, <laughs> the kids want to call them trolls, are really just bullies. They're cyber bullies, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Those people, I guarantee you, were just bullied as kids. Sure. And that's the irony in all of this. Like, they feel like this is their way of getting back at society. But if you've ever met any of these people in person or looked at them, you could tell that like they, they're probably not happy in life and they feel like this is a great way to get back at people. And it's just so ironic that it would turn out that way. Well, but just the level of idiocy, just it's unbelievable. They finally have a voice. Every, that's the, the, the internet. Everybody now has a voice and they can God. hide behind a computer screen. Um, so I'm sure the level of discourse in every sport, not just ours, uh, has significantly decreased. Um, but MMA, man, is it like this in all the other sports? I guess um, if I had to guess, it has to be. I, these guys yeah, would know better. I mean, I think it's just like that all over the Yeah, it's, gotta, it's just the internet. It's just how it rolls. But how do you live your life just being so freaking negative because and jealous? The alternative just, is to deal with the reality of the situation. You know, you're saying they probably have like a depressing life. The alternative is to just face that, which is just more fun is to be daunting. happy or to be... You know, uh, supportive or positive. Or you don't even All right. So, how about how about I throw out the opposite question? Okay. Is there anything that you wanted to cover oh, but wait. not oh, been yes. able to? I forgot about the question. Um, wait. First things first. I will say I just wanted to clear up the Lee Mian thing because it wasn't like I was saying, "Oh, poor Lee Mian." You know, this is a serious, serious deal. This is a serious accusation, and he was he was arrested for it, and he'll have his day in court on August 29th. What I was saying was. I'm sure, you know, there are some people who are just scumbags and he never came across to me as a scumbag. My point was, I bet you would be very embarrassed, pissed off, upset at yourself if this happened any day. I bet he's extra pissed off, extra embarrassed, extra upset at himself that this happens a day before his son's fight. You were getting heat for this? Yes, I was getting heat for this. This That's is a, a little weird. Uh, all I was saying was, this is a guy who I always... Your personal interaction with him has nothing to do with the arrest. So you explaining was, that. This was a guy who I always found to be very supportive and very proud of his son. I mean, there every step of the way for his son, right? I mean, he got his son in the sport. He's still an active fighter. But, you know, they seem to have a very close relationship. And for this to happen, um, for him to mess up like this, to put himself in this position, whether or not he did all that stuff, I don't know. Who knows the story? But to just put yourself in that position where you are some kind of distraction for your son before his fight. That's what I was saying. That's and people was saying. had a, what was their objection oh, to this? Cares? Who cares? Idiots. <laughs> okay. Back to the, so, so that was kind of a, I was like, man, I, I saw that. I was like, ugh. um, so what about the opposite? You know, I will say this, this comes to mind. It would be fun to try to cover other, to get a chance to go to the, the more local, MMA shows like I'd love to cover an Invicta show I'd love to I've never been to a WSOF show I've never been to a Rage in the Cage um, a, a Ring of Combat it would be fun to see the lower level and I don't want to put Invicta in that that breath you know what I'm saying the, 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 the non-UFC Zufa Strike Force I've been to Strike Force I've been to Elite XC I've been to Affliction I've been to uh, what else have I been to well, yeah, I think I, uh, I've never been to Bellator, by the way, believe it or not. Wow. Um, it would just be fun to cover some of those other events. It's never too see. late. Oh, no, no. I just, I, you know, there's not a lot of times, a lot of events, family and things like that. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to cover that. Uh, to get to go, you know, that, that's part of one of my ideas, just to, to, to show the other side of MMA, the, 
the less seen side of MMA to see what goes on behind the scenes and how these promotions are trying to make a name for themselves, get a piece of the pie, all that stuff. That would be a lot of fun. Cool. And, and, you, and you get to see a lot of new fighters, people before. Oh, Cage Warriors is another one that I think does a great job. So that, that comes to mind. That's it. All right. Now, before we go, let's take a look at um, the odds, if there are any. Uh, I've already looked at them, so the we can discuss them, though. Why do, you, why do you look at them? What do you mean, why did I look at them? Because I was interested you know in we do this UFC. Kind of thing. Okay, well, I'm not going to not look at the odds every time. Just to... Oh, that's not very nice. No, I, lo I looked at these quite a while ago. By the way, you really pissed off Michael Carroll. I mean, he is going on a rampage. <laughs> I think you need to clear it up with him. Uh, all right, so you, I hit, love you hit me. Hit me, and then you weigh in. Um, okay. People need the cool. odds. Let's do it. Service to the uh, community. We are starting with Chris Wade versus Kane Carrizosa. I, I guess I got that right. Well, if we're going to do this, you might as well pronounce the names correctly in any event. All right, you tell me how it's pronounced. Chris Wade. Let me tell you something about Chris <laughs> Wade. He is one of only four men to win a New York State high school wrestling championship and now fight in the UFC. This is courtesy of Mark LaMonica of Newsday. He and his opponent. Wait, wait. I'm trying, I'm trying to tell you something. Um, he's from Long Island. Trains with the likes of Ryan LaFlair and Dennis Bermudez. He will win on Saturday night. Oh, sorry. Who's the favorite? Chris Wade. Chris Wade is a slight favorite. He is minus 120. Okay. So who's the underdog? Um, his opponent. Well, I can't go. I can't look at his name because I have best fight odds. Uh, but then I'm going to see the odds. So it's going to ruin it. Uh, I don't know the whole card off by heart, believe it or not. But I do know Chris Wade is fighting. Mm. So I don't uh, our next question. Our next question. Wow. Uh, our next fight is uh, Joe Soto versus Anthony Burchak. You know, this, again, notice a trend here. A lot of people hating on 177, and I have taken my shots at their idea of putting this fight together, the main event. But I think the undercard presents some very intriguing fights. I just wish they kept the Demetrius fight. 178 doesn't need that fight, and this card really needs it. That was a mistake, in my opinion. They should have kept Demetrius on this card. It would have really solidified it. But anyway, Joe Soto, remember, former Bellator champion. Anthony Burchak, very interesting story about him. I'm kind of giving away all my stuff for the weigh-in shows. This is a mistake. Anyway, he's a former MFC champion, and his visa, he had a problem. He couldn't fight in Canada. And so they had to strip him of the title and release him. And now here he is in the UFC. This is a legit fight. Anthony's a great fighter. All that being said, I'm going mm, to lean towards Anthony. I bet they pick Soto because he's Bellator champ, right? He is a slight favorite. Ah, uh, BS. Uh, but only minus 120, plus 100 uh, for Burchak. All right. Our next one, Ruin Potts versus Anthony Hamilton. Or Ruan yeah. Potts. Uh, Anthony Hamilton, another MFC guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Hamilton. Yeah, he's, he's a significant favorite. He's minus 200, and Potts is plus 170. I don't really know much about these first three. Uh, I, I, Hamilton and Potts a little more, but not enough to really uh, gauge anything betting-wise. So can't, can't, sorry, folks, can't help you out there. But now we're getting into the part of the card uh, where everybody's name is pretty recognizable, and they have uh, resumes. So... First, Scott Jorgensen versus oh. Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo, one of only three, well, now he's going to be the third Olympic gold medalist to fight in the UFC. How about that? Um, this is a tough fight for him, making his UFC debut against Jorgensen, throwing him into the deep waters. I'm going to say they side with Jorgensen because he's the vet. He is the underdog. 
Jorgensen. Uh, I mean, he's on a tough streak right now. But he just won. Before that, he's on a tough streak. Wow. Plus 140. Uh, Sehudo is minus 160. And also, you have to f- usually, I mean, in a case like this, uh, I would favor the the superior wrestler. Yeah, and yeah you're right. It, it's almost, you know, a, a given that Sehudo is, is the better wrestler in this matchup. Um, but that, you know, it is his, it is his uh, UFC debut, and Jorgensen is certainly a veteran of, of UFC, WEC. I would have put this fight on the pay-per-view, by the way. It has the potential to not be that exciting. I know, but it's, I mean, I feel like he's sellable. Maybe. Yeah. Um, our next one. There's a lot of close fights on this card. Our next one. Lorenz Larkin versus Derek Brunson. Oh, yes. The returning Derek Brunson. Uh, interesting styles matchup with Brunson's wrestling. Larkin striking. I'll go with Larkin. Larkin is the underdog. Wow. Now, this this one, I believe, has shifted. So let's see who was the favorite starting. Yes. It appears that Larkin started as the favorite and then became the underdog. Uh, and Brunson became the favorite. So pretty good on your part. Um, Rightfully predicting that that would be the odds, but what do you got in that one. Tough fight. To I, I think I think Brunson. I think what you touched on the wrestling is going to be a bit of a factor. Now Larkin's takedown defense has typically been better than he showed in his last fight. Um, so I don't think that it's necessary. I think this is. I would probably stay away from this one betting wise, to be honest. Um, but if I if I'm leaning, I'm leaning toward Brunson. Our next one, Yancey Maderos versus Damon Jackson. This is also interesting. Jackson getting the call in nine days' notice. The now former legacy featherweight champion moving up to 155. Man, Nancy Medeiros has been in this spot before. He took a fight on short notice against Jim Miller at UFC 172, lost that fight. I'm going with Medeiros just because he's been training UFC veteran now, so I'll say they sided with him. Uh, sorry, somebody sent me a funny G chat. The hell are you doing? Um, G chatting in the middle of this? Made- it was it was actually Will the Thrill. Madero's oh. well, minus one. Sitting right next to you. What's going <laughs> you on? sent me a link. Wait a second. Wait a second. This is like this is like passing notes in class. Now you you were just caught. What exactly did you say? You have to read it. Well, okay. So I was also gonna send it to you, but I figured Eric can just show it to you after the show. It's an <laughs> SNL sketch where there's a guy named Scott Jurgensen. It's a it's a Will Ferrell sketch from SNL. Jurgensen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. Uh, so you did you did pick Medeiros, correct? Yeah. He was the slight favorite, minus 120, Jackson, plus 100. Uh, our next one. Um, I think there's only 10 fights on this card. Carlos right? Diego Ferreira versus yeah. Ramsey Nigel. There are only 10 fights, eh? I like that. Uh, it's like a fight pass card. Is there 10 fights? There's 10. Yeah. Uh, as far as that have odds, I don't know if there's any no, no, no. additional. Ten. Five, no, yeah, 10. Um, okay. Carlos is undefeated. Nijum had a great win. I'm going to say they, they side with Nijum. No, he wow. is a significant dog at plus significant. 175. Whoa. That's significant. Uh, Ferrero is minus 210. Oh, certainly. Plus 175 is significant? Yeah, because uh, that would mean that the favorite is is 2 to 1, um, roughly, or or greater. And he is. He's minus 210. Ooh. I got um, this one all wrong. And you're almost getting 2 to 1 when, if, if you pick Nijum. Our next one. I think you'll like this one a lot. Shayna Baszler and Betch Kohei. Oh, yes. The people's main events. This is the people's main event. Without a doubt. Now, is this the co-main event? No. 
The co-main event is, well, the quote-unquote co-main event No, is, don't quote-unquote. What? Wait, is the it co-main the co-main event is Danny Castillo yes, versus that's not Tony the people's Ferguson. main event. Although, I will say, if you have seen 177 Countdown, they did a great job selling it. Both of them. I love I, this fight. I think it's... Go out of your man. way to watch that. Which one? Castillo Ferguson? Yes. Not hating on it. It's just not... It's a co-main event. It's not. There's no way. All right. I don't want to get into this. We get into this almost every week. Uh, Baszler and Cohea. Dang it. It's tough. Um, it is. This, this card particularly has a lot of close fights. I'm going to go with... Man. I'll go with Baszler. Cohea, wow. minus 140. Baszler, which, plus 120. Whoa, that's super close. She actually, Baszler actually started out as a, a much bigger underdog at plus 185, and Cohea opened at minus 265. So I think people are, uh, either people are steaming Baszler or something you know else is going on, but um, people seem to be favoring Baszler's experience, which is not... Uh, not that bad a thing to do. I think that this fight is, is relatively close. Um, so the people that got her as a big underdog probably got some good value there. Um, Tony Ferguson versus Danny Castillo, the co-main event of the night. Quote, unquote. Um, tough one. You know what? Wow. It, it, you know, it was a good fight. I don't want to take anything away from the fight. I hope that's clear. I'm going to go with Castillo. He's looked good as of late. Wrestling, Sacramento. I say they favor with him. It's favor him. Ferguson. Rather large. Minus 245. Mm. Castillo plus 205. Wow. Now, I mean, El Kakui has looked incredible. He has looked good. In the UFC. He's almost had no hiccups in the UFC. It's, it's hard to... Um, I think this is a closer fight than that. There might be some value on Danny Castillo here. I think his wrestling... Um, not that uh, El Kakui doesn't have good wrestling, but Castillo's much more of the grinder, grinding type. Um, he's shown he has power as well. Uh, I think this is a closer fight, but I, I, I do lean... Uh, Tony Ferguson <laughs> on this one. Wow. You know, I got to admit, I haven't even looked at what the odds, like sometimes I, I, I'm interested in what the odds of the main event are because I know they were big the first time around. Yeah, this, so this is an interesting one. Gosh. I guess they have to go with Dillashaw, right? Dillashaw is the favorite right now at minus 150. He started at minus 195. And Barrow is plus 130. And he started at... No, I'm sorry. He did not start at minus 195. He went all the way up to minus 195. And Barrow went as high as uh, minus 110. But he is currently 130. So Dillashaw is a slight favorite. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know. I would probably stay away from this one as well because I really don't know um, how hurt Barrow was in the first round. By all, by all accounts, he was pretty damn hurt and that was one of the big differences in the fight um but i i believe in tj dillashaw i think that he really is uh the real deal so i i would lean toward him as well there's not there's a lot of close fights not a lot of fights that i that i have a, a great lean one way or the other um so i'd probably stay away probably pick up some prop bets or anything like that ferguson by they submission also did a nice maybe. job with this one on the count that show maybe it's just because i haven't watched them in a while um but the, it was less like it was less gym footage and talking heads telling you how great this fight is going to be and more stories going outside the cage and stuff. Um, so I'm excited to see TJ Dillashaw again and see if, you know, he is for real. Um, and it, this does present a new era for the UFC coming back to Sacramento without Uriah Faber, without Chad Mendez, without Benavidez. They've got Castillo and Dillashaw, kind of the forgotten guys 
for a long time at the alpha male and the main event and co-main event. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this does as far as ticket sales and buzz in Sacramento. I'll be there beginning Wednesday night for our coverage, which actually begins Thursday with the media day, but fly in Wednesday night. Um, all right, that's it, right? That's it. Okay, one more reminder. Off on Monday, back on Tuesday. So do what you got to do on Monday. We're back 1 o'clock Eastern time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Tuesday of next week. And no beat for a bit. That is correct. Uh, We're off for the next two weeks as far as the beat is concerned because of UFC 177. And uh, the following week, I will be in Connecticut for the Fight Night Show at Foxwoods. Looking forward to that one. Already confirmed for next week, by the way, Sam Kaplan, the now former Bellator matchmaker, and a longtime MMA journalist, the brains behind Five Ounces of Pain, he is going to be on the show, among many others. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy UFC 177. You can hit my music. Another busy week, as always, in the world of MMA. Who knows what's going to happen between now and then. But 1FC is back in Dubai. Shinya Aoki versus Kamal Shalarus for the lightweight title. Ben Askren also fighting on the card. Roger Huerta, James McSweeney, not a bad offering from 1FC, their 19th offering. That is on August 29th in Dubai. So that would be, what, Friday? Yeah. Also Legacy back as well. A fun show. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, everyone who stopped by. Thanks for my uh, voice for sticking around for the most part. Thank you to uh, Luke Rockhold for coming on at midnight in Thailand. Hope they make that fight between him and Michael Bisping. That would be great. Thank you very much to Bobby Green. Wow, that was interesting. And uh, wish him the best. Probably kind of gross to hear me sniffling into the microphone. Thank you to Will Brooks. Good luck to him. Hope they make him the real champion in Bellator. He deserves it, in my opinion. Uh, All the best to Joe Riggs. Hope he recovers soon. Crazy story. Thought he was going to die. The heck. That's why I don't own a gun. No thanks. Michelle Watterson, all the best to her. September 6th against Yasuko Tamada. 105 pound title on the line. Thank you very much to Roy McDonald. Good luck with the Bitcoin. And thank you very much to Ben Saunders. Congratulations on your big return to the UFC. Back on Tuesday, off on Monday. Stay tuned for that. Thank you for watching. Until they say peace. Somebody, uh...